me. All right, we're live with Booger Bear. Good to see you, man. Yeah, you too, All buddy. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you've been, what is this, your fourth time on the show? Uh, yeah, third or fourth. It's All right. We were just uh before we went live i'm like all right we gotta we gotta plug it in before we get um too far into talking about cool shit. it yeah. always happens and if anybody's listening uh let us know how the audio feed is if you don't mind um shoot me a text message if you know me and uh and there are any issues please so uh we were talking about uh lee syatt yeah how, so, so how did you how did you meet up with him um he went to an open mic venue and they're in North Hollywood called fourth wall. And I was the Sunday host there. So I would host from 11 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. And every hour they do like, they do it in blocks and every hour, 10 more comics come in and do a different show. And I would just host the whole thing for like 11 hours in a row. So he would come through for that. And that's how I met him. So like I was talking about wanting to do a podcast with my roommate. It's like, I got to hit him up because he would, any questions that I have, like you, him, and my buddy Travis in Ohio are the only people I know that have like good, successful podcasts. So, you know, it's, um, I took a little bit of a downturn just to kind of like, I was so not frustrated, but like I wanted to for time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not gonna have to edit this after we're done. I'm okay. not gonna have to upload it. Yeah. Like, so switching to the and too, I hired somebody, they text me a second ago since we sit down, but I hired somebody to edit all my shit. Like, mm -hmm. I, I do not have time for that. Like with, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm like, how do I have time to teach at the university? Like I've been off for like 10 days and I'm just like, I got a lot going on, but, um, like testing for my super foot black belt this weekend mm -hmm. and just getting my online classes ready. And we did We've signed up 40 fucking members. Oh, hell yeah. Congratulations. In, in May. Man. And I'm just, and we already had a crazy amount. And it's just like the parking lot, like all these like crazy factors. I'm like, how do I even get by? Like yeah. going to the university, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week, depending on uh, what I got going. It's, it's insane. Still, that seems like a good problem to have. Yeah, I got really no, no real complaints about it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's what's weird. I told this to my friend Jack the other day. I don't know if you ever met Jack Talkers on the podcast, but I was like, dude, I'm just like in super uncharted territory. Like I did not. He's I the one that did the seminar about uh, the hidden jujitsu. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, I'm trying to have. So like that dude is at fucking Maynard's from Tool today. Really? Like Maynard has his own gym now, and. um he has Jack and 85 these two dudes that I mean, I wouldn't swear to this, but arguably they have trained more than anyone with, uh, with Hickson since yeah. in the last, uh, you know, in the last little bit. And I'm, I'm trying to have both those dudes in for a camp, uh, like August, but they're jujitsu. Like I've trained with a lot of people and like, um, I hadn't trained with Eddie. I've met him. He's been on the podcast. Eddie just like hit Hickson up out of the blue and was like, bro, will you do a seminar? And like, it was like the biggest seminar in North America or something. Yeah. Right. It was like one of Hickson's first seminars back, I believe. He talked about it on the podcast. Um, but dude, Jack is, his stuff is amazing. Right. That um, my roommate is um just recently gotten into jujitsu and he trains at I believe Westside in Little Rock. Yeah, and um, we were like every now and then when we're hanging out and stuff, we'll roll and just kind of 
be dicking around. And I showed him that I believe it was Jack that uh, when you turn your oh, hips in the in yeah, guard, we've been doing that. Yeah, like that's so simple, but it's it works every time. You know, too. There's a I learned some new ways from Jack to break posture. Yeah, you know the BJJ versus cancer videos are, are amazing. Uh, he put those out with Budo videos. But man, I did, I mean, like I didn't train with Hickson. Like Jack is like the dude that has blown my mind yeah. the most. I did three privates with him on Zoom, like right after the pandemic, and we got some more scheduled. But I was like uh, rewatching them because I recorded them, put them on YouTube, like mm -hmm. a you know private link or whatever. And I was like, um, okay, yeah, this is insane. Like, oh my god, like he has all the answers. Like he thought of everything. Like I mean, it just it's so action reaction based but it's just uh i was joking with him on the phone a couple of days ago i'm like yeah people who say things like that about posture and card are like hung up on whether their toes go in the mat or something because mm -hmm. some people can't get into the into that posture because it's so detailed like everything everything has its place and then you but man i started like uh he shows in the sit-up street camera about like raising my hips up off of my heels. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, it's an it, it's crazy. Like when they really start pulling you down, if you raise up a little bit, yeah, or like on the knee and center guard break, it's just I've linked so much of that stuff together. But um what's that like doing the zoom one-on-ones? Because that seems yeah. to me, which I was just a white belt, so like I needed that. Mm -hmm physical connection yeah, to really understand the details of what was going on. That's the weird thing about this. So like Jack and I are talking about this is like, um, you said it, like Henry Akins who ran Hickson's Academy, who's from Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, he and Jack are talking about how there's gotta be a better way than just like, Hey bear, feel this real quick. Did yeah. You feel that? Like in two, I, th I, here's the difficulty, even myself, like I'm almost 15 years in, first degree bite belt, been a bite belt for almost three and a half years. Like, I'm like, okay, like it takes a highly trained eye to get this shit. Mm -hmm. Like you can be a, a, a black belt trained eye and not fucking get what they're talking about mm -hmm. because it's just like, it's a, it's a feel, but you can get it without the feeling. It's like, it can't just be the feeling. Like that's the big debate. Yeah. I know with comedy, like when the pandemic happened, a lot of people had switched and were trying to do Zoom shows, and they were god-awful. They were just terrible because there's not that connection you have live in a crowd with the people. So you'll have people doing jokes, and then they're just waiting for laughs as if people were in the room, and it's just this awkward pause. And you also saw it on, like, uh, the talk shows at night. Like, the I don't know if Conan did it, but there was um, uh, Jimmy Fallon. There's some monologues where comics go up, and they're doing these jokes, to nobody and they're just waiting for the laughs and it's so cringy it's so awkward it, okay so yeah so i had sambo steve on the podcast mm -hmm. and i was just like i was even thinking i'm like man i'm about to hit sambo steve up for one of zoom privates yeah and i'm like what do you think about zoom privates you know and he's like to fuck that he's like i don't no 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 i need to be down there in the dirt with you putting your putting hands on you go no go here and that's the frustrating part is I got, you know, all of the stuff I did with Jack, I was, I made sure like we did three lessons just on guard. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, okay, 
I've learned all of this shit from him. All of it is in the, the Hickson book here. Yeah. Or, or, see, Hickson refilmed all this Helio shit. Okay. Like, this is his dad. Like, this is what they call the master text. Look at Skeletor, old Helio right here, bro. Yeah. Doing a Ogoshi from Judo on uh, Horian. But this book is amazing. Um, when it's out of print, it goes for like 300 plus. Yeah. You can get it in print for like 70 bucks or used sometimes. They'll, they'll do a run on it. But Hickson refilmed all that shit when he first got back out on. Um, he disappeared for like 10 years. One of his sons died um, like a murder. Like, That's tragic. They, they found, like, like Henzo found his body in like the morgue, like unidentified. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So then into, I'm sure there were other factors too. I don't know, but like Hickson just like went off the grid at that point. Yeah. And then like, so like the whole time I was training, the dude's gone. Like, like all of his people that were like, there's anybody that could come become Batman like that. It's Hickson. <laughs> Dude, what's crazy is like there's debate about like the the time that he was gone about whether or not he was like even doing jujitsu, but he came back and he was like, We do it this way now. Like like had like That's new slick. new ways, like people that trained with him before, like, oh, I well, I never heard you talk about that. Yeah. But he he just derives and I, that's what i think like kind of what it got us going down is is working with jack on those zoom lessons it's like i can take what he's shown me it's that little stuff that you mentioned mm -hmm. like oh yeah i remember that and you can apply it everywhere it's like i've been telling students i'm like this sort of stuff like for for donaher they're huge on inside what they call inside everything is inside position inside i think an underhook's an inside position mm -hmm. but like they're like yeah, so is this and this and this and this and this and this. You have to get this on this and this on this. All the guard passing leg locks inside position. They don't work. Like they're gonna get out in this way. This Hickson's all distributional weight, posture. Mm -hmm. So like what I'm telling, I'm like the the things that Hickson or Donaher both really are about are like the thread that weaves this shit together. Like it it pulls everything tight. Yeah, and um. I mean, this is like a cool thesis. It's like, oh, yeah, if you have good posture, they can't, like, throw you. Mm -hmm. They can't pick you up. They can't pull your head off of your, like, bend your back over. If you understand that. And then you can start applying it. Oh, well, that's standing. That's on the ground. But distribution of weight, this concept he calls the middle of, like, let's say if I had an underhook around your waist and we're both standing up and you're, you're we're kind of teed up. They call it the T position mm -hmm. a lot, right? You're about to step in front of him, hip thrown. Like, if I can just keep posture and hips tucked in, just like that guard break here, you can't get away. You can't pull my head down. It's like something we work on all the time. But it's like um, that principle just goes on forever. Oh, they did get your head down. We'll just do this. Here's how you get re-posture. Yeah. Right? But this middle would be like me not getting pulled forward or kicked back while I'm holding you there. It's just like... You try and pull me forward, I hip in that, like you were talking about, pelvic tuck, the same amount. Mm -hmm. And you just, nothing happens. So that's the difficulty is like, what happened? Nothing. Like, but there's little nuances you can't about. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't, you're seeing it and you're like, like I remember training with Hickson, he was showing all the stand-up stuff. I'm like, this is kind of like judo, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I was just like, um, what'd you do there? 
like until he like he came over and worked with me a little bit on on this particular stuff but like it's a little thing like see your shoulder here whoo, it's it's stuck to him and that stops him from sucking your low back in when they have your body up. and i'm like oh i couldn't really tell yeah that you were doing that when you're showing it like you cannot that's the stuff that's like but back to jack and eddie it's like those dudes i might not get a chance to have hickson in or, or roll with him train with him go to his house whatever do a private, do another seminar, but those dudes can pass it on, right? Like, definitively, like not. And two, I would not, I would re- not want to really learn it from anybody other than Jack. Yeah, he's like truly. Plus, like uh, he's total bro. He knows Skrillex and all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, like just wild. But it's, it's cool when you're like developing a craft like that. Something like jujitsu that's a real craft that takes years and years, and you'll never be a true like you'll never know it all like you're always constantly learning and updating what you do and like when i'm around like 10 year 15 year headliners that are like coming to the looney bin and stuff like that and hear the way they talk about it it's so cool to be around them because in the same way there's a lot of little nuances and stuff about what they're doing and not like everybody has their own way of doing it everybody has different jokes and a different way they get into things but there are little fundamentals and nuances that you can watch somebody and be like like especially if you've been doing it for a while, you can be like, oh they've they've got at least a decade under their belt. Yeah, yeah that's isn't that fascinating? Like it's it, it really is like that with that with jujitsu, with uh, I would uh, even say teaching. Yeah, anything, um, comedy, podcasting, anything that is like a, a skill that takes time to learn. I feel like it applies to all of it. Dude, being a podcasting white belt. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like this is like my like purple belt right here. Yeah, you know, like I'm I'm up for like once I get the streamer and get all that figured out, um, the switcher, I'll maybe be like a, almost a brown belt. I look at it like that too with my stand up because I'm like I'm I'm a blue belt, almost purple belt. Like I'm almost featuring. Like I'm just uh, like I need really 30 sharp minutes wall to wall funny so that I can feature on the road because I go on the road now and do a lot of MC work and. Like I'll be able to headline some small stuff like at VFWs or some small bar shows or something. But to really get into clubs, I need a feature set. And I've got like 22 minutes right now and I need 30. So like all my goals are focused around that next eight minutes, getting it tight so that I can. Are you going to go see Joe Rogan in December in Tulsa? Do you know he's coming to? I didn't. I've seen him in Houston. He's yeah. phenomenal. I don't know if Chappelle's going to be with him on this one. But yeah. uh, Cora might even have got tickets yesterday. He was playing at the uh, – the BOK, yeah, Box Center. I've seen some shows there, but um, man, I I would love to go see him. Oh, he's phenomenal. I watched him in Houston. He had there was four thousand people. The cool thing is, is Frank Castillo opened for him, which Frank Castillo's a door guy at the store, and like meeting him out there and hanging out with him, he's cool as shit. So you've but, been to the comedy store? Oh yeah, I've been there. I would cool, when I was dude. living in LA, I was there every Monday, and then anytime I didn't have a set that night we would just go hang out at the store did you see Polly shore around there ever we'd see him but like we never had any real interactions with him dude, we watched son-in-law the other night yeah like dude and i joke with jack after Polly was on uh joe rogan's podcast i'm like dude you remind me of Polly shore bro yeah. like big time and it's part of it is like they have a similar like it's that sort of southern california mm-hmm. accent yeah you know but uh but frank castillo 
4,000 people. And like people are, this is when they were still learning the phone lock thing where they give you a case that you lock your phone in so you can't be on your phone during the show. Oh, wow. And the theater had never done it before. So it was taking longer for to get people set in. So people are still pouring into the theater or, yeah, I guess it's a theater. And Frank Castillo's on stage doing jokes. And so 4,000 people are like buying beers, talking, mm. trying to find their seat. And he's up there doing amazing. And then finally, when he gets done, Ed, the crowd's kind of sitting down. And then Rogan comes out and just levels the place. I mean, people tornado in their seats laughing. Ah! Like, Because like, I was like, I think, six, seven months in at the time. And I just couldn't believe 4,000 people were all like hanging on to yeah. their seat. I was like, how is he doing this? It was cool. Dude, I would love to see Uncle Joey, like Joey oh, Diaz. Holy fuck. That Diaz. Now, the cool thing about Diaz is that, like, out there in L.A., you could see him at a small room. And so you walk out there and watch him go up. It's just electric. So I saw Bill Burr at Flappers. With, oh, he's great. It seats like 200, like two-something. And uh, it was sold out. And because we worked there, uh, we got to sit in the back of the room and watch. He walked in, and the cool thing about Burr was that he he had people heckling him the whole set. But it was it, one thing I noticed is kind of one of those uh, little small nuances that I noticed. Like when a young comic gets heckled, you can tell it for us. You can see the frustration and the way they respond. They'll get angry. Yeah. They'll, they'll, but Burr, it's as if he had written the heckle. He goes like he'll be doing his jokes. Somebody will heckle him. He'll make a punchline about it and then go right back into the joke he was telling as if he had written it. And that was one thing that I picked up watching him work was that like you can't let you can't let it phase you at all. Like, and that's another cool thing is like when you watch somebody at that level do something, it's like, oh, there's I need to get way better, and it makes you better, like because you see how much better you can get. You, you ever uh, get to have a side? I'm sure you have, but like with any of these people we're talking about, like people that are like you know, like third degree comic black belts. Vince Morris is one that when he came and headlined the Looney Bin, um, he's open for like George Carlin and Louis, oh, wow. and and he's to this day, like I said, I've seen Burr live, I've seen Rogan live. Vince Morris is one of the funniest people I've ever seen live. Do you get to talk? Do you get to talk to these people though? And like, I mean, how do you even? It's just I would say a little different, maybe in jujitsu, but for history, like I bug the shit out of some old professors, you know. But yeah. it's just like, how would you do this? Right. I mean, like, how do you have those type of interactions? Um. So, like at the Looney Bin, the really cool thing about Vince was that, like, he, we all did guest spots there at the first of the week, so he'd kind of seen us go up, and he just after the show would just hang out and just talk to us and was real open and he would we would start asking him questions and some comics like you know when the headliner comes in they're just up their ass and like oh my god let me like i'm a comic too just trying to because they're brand new but the cool thing about vance is that he didn't like there wasn't any of that he was just a comic so he was just wanted to be around comics no matter whether they were a day in or 30 years in and he just starts telling the stories and we were asking anything we could think of and he did six different shows and did six different hours that's insane. every night was a different hour. Like, like, how far do you think you are away from doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like you said, you have like, okay, I'm trying to come up with a headline. Yeah, set. I'm, uh, I'm four years in now. That is something that I don't think I'd be able to do at 12 years in. Like to the level that he did it. Like he's, it was like watching a master because he does, does it in the form of crowd work, but you can tell it's jokes that he's written. He just brings it up in conversation with the crowd. And then a lot of it was improv and on the spot. It was, it was cool to see. We we talked about on one of the other podcasts, like uh, 
didn't you do the podcasting masterclass uh, with, uh, or maybe we just talked about it? Who who did that? Um, I did the comedy masterclasses. I didn't do the podcast. Not one. podcasting comedy. Uh, sorry, uh, with uh, what's his name? Um, um, Steve banjo, Martin, banjo guy. Steve yeah. Martin, and then also Judd Apatow's got one on there too. Oh, nice. You know, um, Ken Burns, the documentary filmmaker, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese. Like, I've watched a little bit of what they do because. Man, I just like we were talking about. I think before we started, like I gotta up what I'm doing across the board, and I'm in the process. But like with the gym video, like I have a thousand videos on the internet mm-hmm. between this podcast and uh, in the gym, and I need to just continue to make refinements. It's it's always like oh, like we just got to where everything's going up with the thumbnail. Yeah, you know, like and. Uh, too like part of it's like yeah i want to get information out there whatever create a database but um like uh i pretty much am just filming stuff as we go along like mm-hmm. here's what we're working on boom put it up gets a res- it's a resource for my students but it's also a way like dude when i'm 50 60 looking back i have everything mm-hmm. documented like, right we started like really upping like databasing uploading everything like whereas some people like i've had even like one of my coaches at the gym be like like be running a live stream and they're like don't do that and it's like like yeah dude there's some weird perceptions out there and it's like quite and i still think this i'm like i'm gonna dial it down a little bit and probably start to really like i've been releasing a video a day for mm-hmm. the gym um but i'm probably gonna do like a little more refined three videos a week type of a deal but uh it's just like dialing in like okay what content do i want when do i want it to come out mm-hmm. what times what are other people doing and luckily i've talked to a bunch of people on the podcast about all this shit, like jujitsu mm-hmm. chewy i mean and, and you can kind of go and look and be like i see what you did with all your thumbnails there you use the right. same thumbnail template on these 300 videos cool thing right now what i found out is because of the competition with TikTok, instagram is really pushing reels so if um like i'll have jokes that i'll put out on TikTok and i'll put it on reels on instagram and it'll get thousands of views whereas if i had just I'll put it up it'll get like oh, yeah. maybe 90. where uh how long can video be um I think one to three minutes. Okay. And yeah, so yeah. that would be like, especially like if you're trying to show like technique, you may do like, here's part of it. And then it has a link to, to see the whole thing. See, and that's the sort of stuff like, um, I need to dial in a little bit more. If I reduce the content I'm doing a little bit, I can, I can go cross platform. better. Like yeah. right now I'm pretty much just pop, popping it on YouTube and sharing it over. Like here's the playlist for guard passing yeah be sure you check it out and then talking to my editing guy like howie be sure that's got a a thumbnail on that playlist and a description everything in the playlist has to have a thumbnail and description if we don't let me know i'll write this but it's uh man just like that time crunch of like uh put you know pushing shit out to other platforms Mm -hmm. it it takes a minute the one downside with comedy specifically is that here lately they've been really censoring certain jokes so we'll have a joke that and it's not i don't think it's a person doing it i think that it's some audio algorithm that it catches words and then just 
blacklist it flags it without any context or nuance of what's in there yeah. so like i've got this new joke that is um I did a show for my buddy Trey Diesel. So he runs the Corporate Hustle Show. It's a radio show in Little Rock. And he produces a show at the Looney Bin and it's sold out. And it's like 90% a black crowd. And I go up and I open with a joke about how I wish I had a black ass, which is for white people in the crowd, they're always like, oh my God, what's he doing? Because it's such a sensitive topic, like especially talking about race and everything. And that's part of being a comic is towing that line and like going up and everybody's like okay what are you doing and then when it's a really clever funny punchline they're like okay he's now we're on board and they trust you more because they're like okay he'll approach these subjects but he's not going to say anything screwed up and like make us all regret being here but i put that joke on like i said i was getting three four thousand views on my other stuff put that joke up that starts with black ass i got 12 views yeah and it's like definitely like bro i've had um I've listened to like I'm dialing this in too, but if I'm listening, let's say we're listening to a vinyl, yeah, on the podcast. Like mm-hmm. I've had it go from the headphone only; it's not being recorded into the mic through the headphone, like in it catch like it was Tool mm-hmm. um, on the new album, and it was like, "Hey, we fucking heard you doing that in the background. You will never make money on this video. Do you understand us? Don't even fucking reply unless you know that you're fucking right and you're wrong." Like it's it's like literally Damn. they're like, like 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 you're being scolded. We're like we know what you fucking did. Yeah. It, it, but man, it's like that that has to be. It's an algorithm. It's something auto that. Mm-hmm. And like. Uh, and it sucks bad for podcasters like, too. With like just saying shit. Yeah. Like whatever it is. It. It's frustrating because like a lot of, what I do, especially when I'm in Little Rock, like there's. Little Rock is so crazy. The comedy scenes are still very segregated. And it's not like, I don't think it's on purpose. I think it just so happens that it's still that way. So there's a very popular black scene. And then there's like the white clubs. And there's not a lot of mix. (coughs) That's a good thing about uh, me and some of my buddies is we'll do any scene. We'll do any room. We don't care. Is it like that just in the South? (coughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, uh. Well, do, you, do you see this same sort of I in mean, LA? Like there was a lot of like Mexican rooms and Hispanic rooms. Oh shit! I'm mad. Just knocked the cherry out of there. My bad, man. No worries. Um, but it uh, yeah. There's a lot of rooms where because like especially with comedy, you got to think culturally. You're gonna go see somebody that like vibes with that area or with whatever culture's there. And so it's really cool as a performer to get to go into some place and have nobody there like you, like with a background like you and still get them on the same page, get them laughing, get them rolling. We're still having a good time. And it it really brings people together. And that's why it's so frustrating when I have a joke that I know is, yes, it's it starts off and you're like, oh, shit, is he going to say something fucked up? Because it starts with black ass. But when I'm doing it in a room of 90 percent black people and they're dying laughing and I'm trying to bring people together. And then as soon as the algorithm hears that and goes, oh, we're not going to show this joke, it's it's frustrating. That There will be at some point a Supreme Court case about this. In our lifetime, there will be Supreme – this is my estimation. There will be a Supreme Court case. And there already is starting to be state Supreme Court cases around this stuff. But Second Amendment, the, the like some sort of a – the language is already kind of been swirling around like a mm-hmm. – uh, an online bill of rights. Yeah. Like, like something, you know what I'm saying? Like 
what we're talking about here is the fact that your freedom of speech doesn't fucking extend. Yeah. Right. Like for whatever reason, even within this country, because, well, you know, we see that you're pushing this out to YouTube and you said this and we're YouTube and you can't fucking say that we said, and if we're going to do business together, you have to do it. And I, I get that. Like is a business owner, but at the same time, um, and I also get the perspective of like people out there that are pushing hate and then they find their people to also push hate on online and then they get a group together. Like I understand not wanting to allow people that like are trying to push hate easier access to each other to plan and do fucked up shit. Well, it's a, it's a weird thing. Cause I recently, like we recently had, a we, we added a little, a couple of, like paragraphs to our membership agreement about mm-hmm. like just shit reflecting the climate, but also issues we've had about like harassment and hate speech. And it's like, I, I'm like super hesitant to do that because I'm like, this is the slippery slope that I'm fucking sitting here talking with bear about. Like, it's like, I'm not trying to tell people what to do or say, but mm-hmm. I, but I do feel inclined to tell them like, Hey, if you say something super fucked up to this member over here who might be gay or, you know, might be a person of color or any of that, like I reserve the right to kick you the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right. And, and I really, and like, I kind of had that and it's just like, basically like I reserve the right to kick you out of here if, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Right. But it's like, really, it's not for whatever reason. It's if you like, if you're training here and you're like, dude, so-and-so said and did this to me. I'm fucking not training anymore. You won't even say that to me. Right. You'll just fucking turn your membership off. Right. Right. Like, and then it's like, it's just like little methods of deterrence. Like, I don't want to control what people say and do, but I also want to protect everybody in here from like, and I'm not talking, I'm not, you know, shit. It, it would have to be like some fucking racist Nazi, like, her sexual harassment right. related shit like like it's like okay dude um i'm calling the cops yeah after this conference like that sort of stuff what i tell comics uh at any of the shows that i'm producing is while they're on stage that's their stage you can say whatever you want you have complete freedom of speech but if you say something so fucked up nobody's protecting you in the parking lot have you ever seen somebody uh get booed off stage or- oh yeah i've been booed off stage we have a show in little rock called the night out my buddy d uh d so funny hosts it oh um, is, is that who's that uh he's uh d so he runs a radio show and um it's like 96 points is there a dude named seth d's there is a, a dude named seth D's. Yeah, yeah. yeah is that the same not the same guy not the same guy yeah. um but this guy he runs an apollo style comedy show where the crowd is encouraged if you don't like them start booing and shaking your keys and get them off stage and so it's a competition and whoever you have up to five minutes each comic has up to, i'm actually doing it on i think this friday yeah it's, Dude, it's uh, fun as fuck what so yeah real quick what dates uh what dates do you have coming up do you know um yeah we've got a big show we're doing july 1st at the joint so the joint in north little rock was closed because of covid but they just came back and in my opinion it's the best room in the state it's Court and i are wanting to come see you bro july 1st is the time to come it, um, oh man, are we going to be in town? Her birthday's the fifth. I think we leave on the second though. Okay, We're that's a Thursday to, uh, night. Gulf, uh, one of those Gulf places. Yeah, Alabama though, not Florida. Gotcha. Like 30, 30 miles from Pensacola. Is it Gulf Shores, Gulf Breeze? I can't remember which yeah. fucking Gulf one it is. Um, July first at the Joint in North Little Rock. It's in the Argenta District. It's um, 
that's going to be a fun show. I also host every Monday night at Cregan's in North Little Rock. There's an Irish pub that's right there on Main Street, kind of catty corner to Verizon or Simmons Bank Arena, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, every Monday night at 8, we host a show in there. And the cool thing is, is we just got some uh, stage lights. My buddy, I was talking about my blind buddy, he went in and bought some lights for the show. So they'll dim the lights in Cregan's and we'll just have the stage lights on because yeah. before it's an Irish pub, people come in, they're talking, they're drunk. They don't care. Like they're going to be rude, whatever. But when we change the lighting in there, now when people come in, they're like, Hey, can I get a beer? Like, can I? and it just changes yeah. the whole vibe. And now it's like, everyone's like, Oh, this is a show. And so now we've got regulars that come in for the show and yeah. it's, it's turning into a fun time. Dude, I've got, that's another thing. Like, it's funny how much a lot of this stuff's on the same uh, trajectory. I'm good on that. Here. Yeah, I'm good. Um, like lighting in here. Yeah. Like that, that's just not fucking cutting it up here, dude. Yeah. You know, um, I need a, I don't know what my, the right light. I mean, Chappelle talked about it on Rogan's podcast about how when he goes to a green room, he takes red light bulbs and he takes the light bulbs out of the lamps and puts red light bulbs in just because it changes the mood and it sets the ambiance and it's like mm. a fun hangout. So now when everybody's back there, it's a more relaxed vibe and like it's better for them when they go on stage in that environment versus like a big fluorescent overhead light or something. Yeah. Yeah. See, I've got a huge light. I used to at the old gym I used for filming. Yeah. And I may put it, it's kind of dark over here on the other side of this wall. That's where my, my matted wall is. And mm -hmm. there was like three offices. Mm -hmm. And then there's this weird little room here with full caddy corner 45. We just closed it in and made yeah. this. Cause I could not loop. We could have torn this out and had mat space over here, but then my podcast still would have been in my house. And yeah. Up, not <laughs> I like it though in here, man. Yeah. It's it's nice that you have your own little nook to just disappear and just. It, it is. Um, and it's, it's almost, uh, it's nice having everything separate too. Like I can film and record, especially now I just got like a whole new office set up in Wellington standing desk. Like I've got a Yeti up there. I've got, nice webcam up there like a whole bunch of stuff i can do the same thing mm -hmm. right but it's crazy how much it's like uh i'm really put trying to put content out like in three different directions at all times the gym this podcast and then the history shit mm -hmm. so i'm trying to get where it's like history shit happens at work like in there like i've got just like a little light set up that's just like mm -hmm. it's it's super simple but I've got a like what I want to do here is redo this grid ceiling. They they make um, you see people put tin on a roof mm -hmm. uh, on the inside of the building. I thought about doing that. I was like, yeah. And then McMillan was like, no, no, no. They make tiles that look that way. Okay. That they go in the grid ceiling and they sell yeah. you the paint. And it's like you can get like almost like mosaic. Mm -hmm. It looks badass. It's gonna make this room pop. But then what I'm probably gonna do is like. It, this is the frustrating part is based off my research and limited knowledge of lighting. Pretty much nothing I do up there is going to um, achieve what I want. I'll probably have to pop it on like on the wall or on yeah. the, like I'm probably gonna take these cameras off the table mm -hmm. and put them on the wall. Yeah. Right. And then possibly light off the like corners of the table. I mean, that's what we've been learning is that, since Zane got those lights for us, um, we've been taking them to all the different shows that we're producing and it changes it. It improves it. And you don't even have to, it can be subtle. It could be like just a subtle light change. It doesn't have to be some big drastic thing. And it just changes the mood where people 
behave differently depending on and i'm talking specifically like in a live show performance For sure. so it's, it's a mood thing yeah um did you learn it yeah i know you did some theater did i did you learn anything about lighting in there no because um I wasn't in it long enough. So I was an engineering student and then I got into stand up. And my last semester at tech, I was like, well, I want to take some theater classes because, like, this is more what and I You got to have artists. Right? I did. Yeah, and amazing. she was awesome. She's great. Um, and then I, I took it was a creative writing class. And then I got into the theater productions through that class. And who'd, got you, the, who'd you have for creative writing? Do you remember? Yes. Uh, he's. Um, God, what was his name? Last name starts with the E. Um, uh, a Coral would know. Inkle Mayor. Yes, possibly. He's a he's a politician guy around here too now. He um he was awesome. I wish I could remember his name because he's one of my favorite professors I ever had. But Dude, uh, how long? You, it, it, it's like I've been out of school for a while now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how much time's gone by, right? Mm -hmm. Since like the first. It's like I think your first podcast experience is like three years ago. Oh, yeah. I'll go back and listen to that podcast. And the very first podcast I did with you, because I hadn't done a whole lot of podcasting. Now, I saw you've done and, several now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, done a lot now, but I went back and listened. And it's one of those things like, you know, how we were talking about refining and like always trying to get better. I went back and listened. And the whole time you would say something, I was over here. Yeah. 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 Because I wanted to be engaged, but the whole time it's, I was just repeating. Yeah. It's weird. Part two, uh, I've had, I joke around, I mean, he's a, he's a sweetheart, but I had like a super educated, like guys gone through seminary, taught world religions, had a PhD in psychology, uh, but also like a master's in philosophy and world religion. So mm -hmm. he taught all of those subjects. He was a therapist. And like, dude, I've had some crazy talks about consciousness in that dude's office. Yeah. And then, like, I got him on the podcast, and I'm like, so, what about, what's consciousness? Like, 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 like well, he was just talk about it. And yeah. he, was, he was just like, well. <laughs> um, it just, like, it, yeah. it was, but some some people, uh, I think it, I don't know, it's weird. I think it's a, I like doing without the headphones sometimes, so mm -hmm. I think it's more relaxed for the guests. Mm -hmm. I think also with this mic, it doesn't matter as much. Again, still dialing a bunch of this shit in, but it's um, some people are real weird. I, I noticed particularly like uh, reluctant to say older, but like people like fifty and up are like, let eh, just put these over here instead. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna listen to. It. Like I've had people just be like, no. I know when I was first. On, I was always scared because like people get crucified for what they say on podcasts. Like it'll happen years later. So I would be real nervous about like, what if I say something messed up and then I, I don't get to work in the future or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I did it enough now that I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to say how I feel and let's chips fall where they may. Yeah, dude. I know that's, um, cause at the end of it, like I was uh, having this conversation with somebody yesterday. Cause I was like, I was taking, uh, at this concert last night, my new iPhone, mm -hmm. unfortunately I dropped my other iPhone in the river, um, where it got wet. Yeah. We, but dude, look how high quality of a photo that took at the rev room. Oh yeah. Or not Reverend, uh, George's mm -hmm. right. Like several, like it was doing the shutter for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the great thing. Like when I'm recording sets or trying to get pictures on stage, like iPhone, these new iPhones are great. Yeah. It, but it, but I was talking with, um, she's Hannah. She's been on the podcast. My 
best buddy Colby's girlfriend. And she's like, that's going to put photographers out of business. And I'm like, like, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that you just got to adapt. You got to evolve. You got to change it up right. and like continue to try new shit. And also good photographers, like what they do creatively when they're making a shot happen, oh, you can't replace exactly. it. Like there's. Well, and I'm like, yeah. And I was like, not for like, no one's ever going to use this to take like family photos. And yeah. Shit. What it's going to do though, is going to change the camera industry. Mm -hmm. And two, I think about this, like what sort of lobby is there out there that is keeping me from doing what we're doing right now with those cameras having this capability. You know what I'm saying? Like I got to take the camera, run it in the machine and do all this extra yeah. shit, extra hardware where it's like quite literally, we could just set this on the table and it would do a badass job. I could even mm -hmm. like make the audio really good and stream it out to Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. Like all the stuff I have to pay an insane amount to do. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just like, what sort of lobby is keeping those types of cameras? Like there's gotta be a political lobby for like that industry. That's like this technology never comes over to like digital cameras or video cameras. Like why can't I upload from that device straight to YouTube? I'm pretty sure there's the, like the new cannons and stuff. I'm pretty sure you can. But they're they're the price range on them is insane. Yeah, yeah. Like some of them are like two and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, and I I seems like I did maybe within the last year see like basically just a a cam that had a YouTube app on mm -hmm. it to where it's like it's a live streaming camera. Yeah, like it is. It's made to live stream. Like the apps are here. Like you just click which ones you want to go out to, and it, you could plug it into your computer and add new apps like a Roku or some shit. Yeah. Like. Like something it's, I don't, I think we're so far past. That's another good thing about Rogan is that like the popularity of Rogan and what he's done is make, it's like pushing the way where everybody's like, Hey, we need the technology to do this. Cause a lot of people want to do this. That's what I was saying about that. Um, 300 bucks for this switcher, mm -hmm. four cams. I can hook my mixer into it. Like it makes it smooth yeah right? 300 bucks versus what you say like 2000 or something oh, what it was yeah, pre -pandemic. Dude. and i remember like i remember looking at rogan's uh it's called the tricaster mm -hmm. and he did use that for a long time pretty sure they just switched and i was like oh that's like three grand and then at, oh I, i'll tell you too um i'll have to dig it up but i need to watch it again i did a podcasting master class with adam carolla but it wasn't through the masterclass website. It was like something he released. Yeah. But they had a switcher. And I was just like, and it was like 10 grand or something. I was just like, Jesus. But and it was older. It was huge. It was bigger than that mixer over there. And that's yeah. a huge mixer. Yeah. But I, I was like, uh, okay. So like that's when I was like, I can't even like that's not like I would get cameras before I would like get that. You know, yeah. like it just kind of what I've done, but now the prices have dropped. Let me do you remember when Blu-ray players or um like fuck even the first dvd players or the first like anything of technology that arrives they're mm -hmm. like look this is going to be a bazillion dollars yeah like and then it, it it drops and i think that's what we've seen with these switchers 
but uh yeah like black magic is this brand a buddy of mine told me about it and i spent like three hours researching i was like this is what we need yeah like it does everything i verified that it did everything and i was like well that's what we need so we um right now i'm trying to find a way to because you were talking about putting content out in three different directions i want to it's hard releasing stand-up because like every time i have a new joke a lot of times i'll either put it on my tiktok put it on my instagram just so that people see that i'm working they see new jokes mm -hmm. they like come back yeah. and see me again because you may not have heard half the set that at the last show that you're going to hear at the next one and but at the same time like i'm also trying to craft a really good set to eventually make an album with and it's like i don't want it yeah. all out there where everyone's already heard all my jokes and that before i ever have a chance to like release it all as like one polished product mm, yeah and i'm trying to find other ways to get because i feel like social media and the internet especially for a comic that's how you're going to get any traction or any any following so you can go on the road and make money and i haven't figured out the best way to put out content yet whether because i've tried like different small sketches and writing stuff like that but it's such a different skill set than stand-up because stand-up is its own thing and I really want to be the very best stand-up I can be. I just don't know how to relate that to like putting content on the internet other than jokes, other yeah. than just like taking videos of me at shows and putting them up. That's what I was saying about like, um, and I've seen you do a bunch of like little clips mm -hmm. and bites uh, over time. I think that with the, the live stream, I'll be able to start doing the audio live too. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's going to be another major corner turn. But like when I do all that, so like YouTube, it'll just like just your channel showing live mm -hmm. periodically is huge. Like if you can go live every day on your Facebook page. Yeah. Huge. So even three times a week, it just it bumps you up a little bit. But um, like with this uh, switcher, I can like drop the, the 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 roll in audio and everything. It's like the what we've got up here with the streaming across with yeah. the uh name and stuff all of that's there but like that's going to my social but the issue is is like why i asked you about the length of the instagram videos earlier and like i haven't even fucked with tiktok whereas Corey, my buddy josh was on here the other day like he was talking about tiktok on the podcast mm -hmm. cracking me up and he's he's like it's kind of like my you know like uh like my addiction like oh it's bad man yeah he's like it's i just bad. give myself you know 20 minutes a day like but he sends me a tiktok like every day and they're hilarious mm -hmm. but between him and cora I, they're the main people that send me tiktoks i watch them but i've never i we thought about getting one for the gym but like dude it's just social media is a chore yeah like luckily i have people to help here i got on TikTok specifically when we uh, started doing our production scoundrels live stand-up, which is what Zane and I started to like, it's basically a production company. That's not a company yet. We're just getting the ground running or hitting the ground running. But anyway, I got on TikTok for that. So I could upload stand-up clips on there. And then I catch myself at night, especially it's worse at night when you're bored, you're wanting to go to bed, but you're not really tired yet. You're kind of waiting on your body to get tired to go to sleep. Dude, that was me. Just start concert. scrolling. Next thing you know, it's been two and a half hours later. It's like, what am I doing? That I have to, I've deleted the app off my phone several times and just re-download it to upload something and then download or delete it again yeah. because I'll sit there for hours and just scroll. Well, it's, dude, it's easy to do that. Like, whatever your poison is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever you like 
for me, it's Facebook. I'm I'm gonna push this out live right now while we're see. That's what's cool. It's like look how I'm able to just pump that out. Oh yeah, that is cool. Right. Let's see what we're gonna do. Share to my page. Let me. But uh, you do that. I I I think too. Like see Streamyard and some other. We played with something called like Hootsuite one time. It mm-hmm. was like. But that's another thing is they know that you're doing that. They, the Facebook, the people that limit your freedom of speech, uh, the YouTubes, they like, they're like, we saw that you did not fucking log into our product to do this, that you use this other product and send it over here like it's a letter, a telegram or something. Really? And you're going to get less views because of that. Yeah. Like, no, like if I notice if I share something from Instagram mm-hmm. to Facebook, even though they're like way more. It's still, if I did it independently, the reach on Instagram is going to be more. Mm-hmm. If I uh, push it over versus just post it on Facebook, I just post it on Facebook, the reach is better. Right. It's um, it's crazy how that, uh, and then too, like if I share, trying to promote YouTube on Facebook, like I do it a lot more now, but it's just like, you just have to kind of stay with it, I think, in the beginning to get your, um, like your reach up. Yeah. Right. And then um, like people always seeing you post about it that, you know, or, or getting some shares, but getting that it's basically SEO. Like, just like, it's crazy. dude. If you type in martial arts for, for Russellville, you could type in the other person's gym name and we're the, like, they're only going to see our shit Yeah, because we put so, so much, much out, out you mm-hmm. know, of the, just like staying with your social media game and like so many people don't like mm-hmm. just what we're talking about and i'm good about it with the gym but dude it's like how many oh, i gotta do it for the gym and like luckily i don't have to do it for my history classes but i'm trying to like pull all that shit into the podcast yeah like uh to where it's like look here's a three-hour podcast about the egyptians old kingdom enjoy and we're pushing this out to a wide audience. And if you take me in class, be sure you listen to it. It's going to be on the test. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but uh, that's, that's been where I'm going. It's like, I have everything in these short, like class length lectures, mm-hmm. but I want to do like Dan Carlin style. Or, oh, I love yeah, this. Yeah. I'll sit on a deer stand. That's my favorite thing to do is to wait for him to upload a bunch of podcasts. And then I'll get one during deer season. When I'm on a deer stand bored out of my mind, mm-hmm. I got one headphone in, listen to him talk about like the Celtic Holocaust or something. And the the prosperity and peril, I think, or American peril. Mm -hmm. Um, Prosperity and peril is a book I have over here, actually. Um, But it's amazing. Uh, That's like about T.R. Teddy Roosevelt and Spain and Cuba. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, the wrath of the cons. And too, somebody I I'm friends with him on Facebook and I follow his pages and shit. But uh, you ever listen to uh, History on Fire? Oh, that's a uh, Nelly Bellelli. Yes, dude, his podcast is fucking great. Um, he, my favorite one he's done is called "Anything That Moves." It's about Mila and Sand Creek, right? Sand Creek in Colorado, uh, Cheyenne natives mm-hmm. under like government protection, white flag over their camp, surrendered, mm-hmm. no warriors, massacred. Mila similar story but in vietnam but it was they're just a village it was yeah. similar in that but they're about a hundred years apart and they both involved terrible atrocities but also people there that refused to participate 
mm-hmm. people there that would rape but wouldn't murder like like that's the kind of shit that yeah. they draw out it's these two historians Bellelli uh, and another guy and then the final episode they bring Jocko Wilnick oh it, that's he's just, yeah, dude, yeah he's just like well, you know let's break this down guys let's 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 talk about here in Ramadi like yeah you know it's, that's cool it is uh, and and he um provides such insight Mm-hmm. being a leader being someone in the military being who he is but uh Bellelli's history podcast amazing I'm stuck on dude audible and then too I've been on a big great courses kick mm-hmm. um I've probably done four of those this year what did you think of the master classes that you did because when I did the Steve Martin and the Judd Apatow master classes I was very bummed out because it was very much a which is great in the first part of it because it's like very much for brand new beginners that have never done this before. They have no idea what this is at all, but it never really gets past that, le- that entry level, like, yeah. which is when I went into it and I saw, you know, the branding masterclass. It's like, I want to, how many hours of content were those? You remember? Um, several, I don't remember specifically, but it took me weeks to get through both of them. See, I did. Um, so like, Tom Morello's uh, like Reggie and Machine, he has one, and like, dude, it's insane. Like, yeah, like I'm still working through it, like, and have rewatched the front third of it like four times, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, God, I still haven't done that homework. Yeah, like, but his PDF he provides with it, like, that's what I kind of found is like, I would watch it at home or something, but then it's like, dude, I like getting down here with the guitar plugged in like practicing with him essentially Mm -hmm. that's that's what was um that's what was most beneficial you know so uh, yeah because you've been doing guitar lessons here lately too because i remember you had uh yes went back to like formal lessons after years of not right yeah and i never really had a ton of formal lessons like i i had i just more like jammed with people and like Mm -hmm. they explained things and like i like watch videos or just practiced and played in the church band. But yeah, I started taking lessons and um, it's insane. Like I was, uh, man, my buddy Dylan was here the other day and we were both jamming and he was playing fucking lateralis by tool. Like he knows all these tool songs. And I was just like, but too, I noticed like I was following him and like doing shit, this different shit with it and like stuff I never would have done before. Yeah. Usually it'd be like, yeah, you sound great, dude. What what should I play? Right, that's now? me. You know? So like, I can do the three chords. Like, if you saw me the chord progression, I'll play the chords, and then you can do all the cool shit. <laughs> dude, last night, uh, Todd Snyder in one of his songs, like everybody was like like hooping and hollering. He's like, "Yeah, that's a D, and that's an A, and there's a G." And then just goes right <laughs> yeah. back into singing. He's yeah. like, like he was just like joke. But this dude is uh, known for that shit. Yeah. Um, He'll like he'll he'll like be like oh I'm gonna play it's one of my new songs like like he'll put the capo on like like what and he just and then he like takes it off and plays like one of his like greatest hits yeah and he's like yeah no. like he did that four times like didn't play any of his new shit play like beer run and mm-hmm. um fucking funny but that dude's that did something else if you never got, uh, listened to it. I bet it, do you like Sergio Sampson yes. or Billy Strings yes. He is kind of in that wheelhouse. Okay. He, I love Billy Strings. Now we're, he, so he just got added to the Mempho Fest. 
Okay. Have you heard about that? Uh-uh. Okay, so MemphoFest, um, widespread panics playing two nights there, which is pretty much all of the shit you see in this room. Yeah. Um, but then Billy Strings just got added like yesterday or the day before. Um, we had tickets to see Motor Rock pandemic hit with Jason Isbell. Like that's another. Yeah. Dude, and Panic bought the, the drive-by truckers when Isbell was in their group, mm-hmm. their first tour bus or oh, van, that's cool. right? But um, all sorts of cool connections with all of those artists. But Todd Snyder set in with Panic. We saw the Nashville. He's in a band with uh, for a minute with two of the members of Panic, their guitar player. Um, they did a couple albums, and then their guitar player committed suicide, dude. Oh, that sucks. He was the guitar player, too, for Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Yeah. Like, the of the Black Crows. Mm-hmm. Just a sad deal. And uh, one of the songs on the new album is about that guy. Uh, Damn. Yeah. I, uh, I had always wanted to be a musician, but it was never put in the discipline and work to get good at it. Mm-hmm. And then over the pandemic, I just sat down with my guitar and practiced and practiced and practiced. Just what songs I could find on YouTube and stuff. And my buddy, Lucas Smith, he's a hilarious comic down in Little Rock, but he can sing his ass off. Like he is one of the best singers I've ever heard. And we were at the house, had a bunch of comics over, you know, we're hanging out, like some comics are playing chess. Others are like drinking, smoking, hanging out. And I get out my guitar, start playing House of the Rising Sun. And he just starts belting it. And And that's that's one of the coolest experiences. Cause I, I love performing anyway and like i've never had to anytime i've performed it's always been jokes it's never been like any musical anything and it's in my living room it's not really performing but it was the first time i'd ever like really played in front of people before mm-hmm. that was cool it did it is cool and like uh my buddy dylan he stopped by we, we were talking about this and he said this before but it's like when it's like all right you play here like you, you this is your part i'm gonna play this you over there on the drums when we do this you just come in here whenever you feel like it you over there you know you're doing this and like but when everybody like synthesizes it all together brings it all together like it's a special thing yeah um music in general is a super special i think that's why we gravitate towards it i mean it's it in the ancient world it was you know like literally the etruscans is early roman culture in in italy they weren't technically roman they were there before the Mm -hmm. the the romans ever were but um they're like look you're my slave follow me wherever i go and play that flute all right and and like literally there's depictions of like the like the noble person going around and like the the slaves falling and like playing the flute all the time yeah it's like uh the lutes liars and nero was playing his his lyre is uh, Rome burned during uh, some revolts. But uh, there's all these fucking crazy outlandish theories about the pyramids being tuned to a certain frequency. Oh, yeah, I've seen right? Like, But it's just, you know, but people, um, like when yoga, the, the bowl, mm-hmm. the, that sort of stuff, it's like there, there is some validity to that. And two, I, I've... Um, Dude, I remember I tell people about it. it's like a religious experience or something at a panic show. Like I fucking just broke down and started crying. 
Yeah. Like, I was like, I can't believe that they're doing this. How are you guys doing that to me? <laughs> like, dude, I, I never, like, the the thought in my head is I was like, I've been listening to music my whole life, and I can't even fucking wrap my mind around what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, but. It's crazy how music will pull that emotion out of you, too. Like, you can, yeah. and it doesn't have to be, like, a sad song or or it doesn't have to be about the words. It could just be like the notes they're playing. Something about it is just beautiful, and it just pulls it out of you. Man, yeah, I've, that's a first, like there. That was like a total breakdown, of yeah. like like bawling. But like I've teared up at a ton of sh- different song shows, songs, moments. But it is music. Just it is an emotional experience. Oh, I'm the worst, especially when it comes to movies. Oh, I get sucked into a movie, man. I like. If I'm going on a first date with a girl, we're not seeing a rom com, okay? Because I will cry my ass off. Yeah, yeah, I, dude, I know. Like, um, like I'm still mad at Cora for starting uh, Dead Poet Society without me somewhat recently. Yeah, I like woke up and I heard like Robin Williams in there. I was like, she's watching it without me. <laughs> like I couldn't believe it. So yeah, but uh, dude, yeah, that's like movies are special. That's probably like think about all the way back to ancient times, like theater, mm-hmm. right? Like these are things that they transcend um, technological development and everything. Like when there was no technology, people were still acting, mm-hmm. right? And and there was still, there was the, the, the fool or the jester in yep. the King's Court. Like all of these things have always existed. One of my favorite stories I've heard now, I don't know how true this is because I'm pretty sure I read it on Facebook. But must be true. Yeah, it must be true. Apparently, there was, and I don't know which culture this is either. Somewhere in Europe, and somewhere where at the time when they had jesters, there was this jester that had made fun of the king's wife, and the king was going to put him to death. But because he had been such a good jester, he was the king's favorite. He had worked with him for many years. The king said, "Look, I'm going to give you one opportunity. Tell me, how do you want to die?" And he looked at him and goes, "Old age." And the king laughed yeah, and let him live. Story. But I don't know story. if it's true or not. No, I've. But that's still like that's a I think about that all the time and how like I want to be that clever and on like quick way. Yeah. 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 Especially as a comic. And when I think, okay, so in the ancient world also, like Greece, Athens, it's like that was the that was an art. Like Mm -hmm. the stuff they're like, oh bear, you should study rhetoric with us. It will help you become a better speaker. Yeah. And you will be more quickly or sophistry. I, um, basically, like, like sophisticated. Uh, everybody, uh, like, like Plato and um, yeah, Aristotle had different views on it, but they're like, look, this shit doesn't work, this uh, democracy, because Bear is a really good talker and he convinced you guys two plus two is five. So we're fucked. Yeah. Like, you guys believe two plus two is five. We cannot fucking t- even talk to you anymore. Yeah. Like, you're convinced because he had great rhetoric. Like, uh, but that that kind of goes forward into like politics and stuff. There's a that a speech between um, when Nixon ran against JFK, mm-hmm. the radio listeners versus the the TV viewers. Really, right? So I'm guessing the radio listeners like Nixon and the TV viewers like JFK. Yeah, and Nixon had like this light on him and was like sweating, and and JFK. Accent looked great, and but the but the radio listeners were like, his accent kind of pisses us off. Yeah, right. It was just like, but really, 
weird to see that that contrast mm-hmm. like of how uh, how how people perceive mm-hmm. you know and and how it can be tampered with i mean you can see that as like i see that on stage all the time because you'll get people to cry laughing about stuff they don't agree with like yeah. but you can take them on that loop that like as long as it connects logically and you can take them down that path you'll get them like i've had like I've had hardcore conservative Christians crying at an abortion gym just because I got them there in a very specific way. Dude, that's and, what's special about comedy is it you can do the stuff we're talking about and get everybody regardless of whatever. Yeah. Like it's just like a human thing. It's not a like oh you you accosted my class. Right. You know, and that's the difference with a lot of people don't understand is that like once you get to a certain once you learn how to do it correctly like there's once something's funny it's funny you can't there's no you can't not laugh like try to not laugh at something funny will make you laugh harder like anybody everybody knows that situation when they're not supposed to laugh and they can't control it because it's so fun like and that is something that it's like you said it's human you can't deny it and it's really funny when you're on stage and you see people like trying to hold it in and it's like just let it out man like it's kind of like uh two chords bad about this i guess everybody probably is at some point like if you like i mean i got hurt and i just laughed my ass off Mm -hmm. it's it's like like what like like court why are you laughing like ow i hurt my finger what do you do yeah. I know it was hilarious. I can't help it. I'm sorry. It's not funny. I'm sorry. But I'm still laughing. Yeah. It's like um, that sort of shit. It's just like how our emotions get Especially, confused, maybe. Like, I'll have the most fun at a show when a lot of times when there's a comic up that is just bombing, just eating a fat dick, couldn't like tell you funny if it came up and hit him in the face. But it's so funny for me because I know what that feels like. Yeah. Like I know what it's like to struggle with it, especially if it's one of your buddies or something. They're having an off night or they're like there's something's wrong with the set. It's hilarious. And then like the comics in the back will start dying laughing. And then that feels even worse because you can hear, okay, nobody's laughing but the comics. I must be doing terrible. It, yeah. It's just a funny it's thing empathy, to experience. Man. Yeah. It, it, I can't. And laugh. it's not like we're not laughing at you i mean some of us i mean yeah we are a little bit but also we're laughing because we've been there and we know that this just sucks man sorry like it's like watching your friend get hit in the nuts it's like oh i hate that for you dude i i joke about this period but i said like we had a third our last class and it'll probably be this week tonight was 30 people mm-hmm. in jiu-jitsu and uh i was like 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 10 10 white belts that are fairly new and i'm like look you know you got to keep coming to class because this is going to be a time when you you think you have guard like we were tonight. Yeah. But in fact, you are under someone's mount. And they were just like, that happens to me. Yeah. Like, but dude, it's like, yeah, me too. Like, I remember, I remember like three or four instances where I just knew I had a guard guillotine, but they had me in mount. And I, but I thought I had guard. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a weird, um, weird thing and and i'm like pretty as an instructor empathetic to like look I, hey yeah i know i've been there like fuck 15 years of doing it and i've seen a hundred people be exactly where you are mm-hmm. in that time that either stayed training or quit or whatever and it's just uh empathy, empathy to their situation mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
Dude, uh, we were talking about Lee Syed earlier. Did have you seen um, where he's like super fucked up on Uncle Joey's? I think Joe Rogan is on, maybe on the show, but he's like like with the the edibles. Oh yeah, he would come to Fourth Wall and just like take those stars that Joey would give him, and it was so fun because he was working out of his jokes like that. That way, when he's sober, like it, because I'll do the same thing where I'll go up stoned out of my mind on like an open mic or something. And because you get stage fright, you get paranoid, you get like freaked out. But if I know I can handle that situation, then when it's a paid show and it matters and I'm at a club and or like I'm at the OR at the comedy store or something, I don't get phased by it because I've already it's like training with weights on. That's the way I look at it. But he would come into fourth wall just blasted. And it was so funny watching the work because he'd be up there like trying to remember his jokes as he's delivering them. And he, and he would like fuck it up. And instead of saying this line, he would go here and figuring out a way to watch him like tie it back in and get a pop. It was really cool to watch. Oh, dude, that guy, that guy is funny. Yeah. I can't believe that Joey moved back to fucking Jersey. I yeah. Guess, and, and everybody, everybody I know is moving to Austin. All the people I was working with there, like they either went back to wherever they're from or they're all headed to Austin. Hey, fuck California, New York. And yeah. in New Jersey too. That's why I was surprised that Joe Diaz went back to New Jersey. It's like, dude, New Jersey in all my research is the third worst state to handle this shit. Yeah. Right. Like uh, over the last year at the pandemic. And did you hear about the, uh, I don't know if I told you or not, the um, homeless lady we had to deal with in our yard. No. So I had a homeless lady. She came up and stole my hammock out of the backyard. I had a bong out there and some toenail clippers. And that's what she stole. But she didn't take, like, the ropes, the straps that the hammock hangs on. She just took the hammock itself. Um, like, a couple weeks later, I caught her out there. Our landlord turned the garage into an apartment, and it had a water heater on the outside. And she's out there pointing at the copper with one of her buddies, like, check out this copper. And so I ran her off that day. And then weeks go by and then now it's summertime and it's real hot it's like 117 degrees outside it's la it's sun scorching and i catch her snooping around in the front yard and i walk up there i'm like hey what are you doing and she's like please can i just have some water i'm dying now i felt because like i'm not trying to like make somebody die of thirst like so i feel about like yeah sure you can have some water she doesn't start taking a drink she takes her clothes off and starts showering in my front yard at like three in the afternoon like the neighbors are outside. There's people walking down the sidewalk. And I'm like, lady, you cannot do this here. So make her stop, run her off. Um, she gets mad, throws a rock through in my window. We call the cops. The cops come and pick her up and then bring her back like four hours later and just drop her off in front of the house because they can't do anything. There's so many. They got LAPD's got way bigger fish to fry than the homeless yeah. lady throwing rocks through a window. So just the whole situation was like, super frustrating because like even the police won't do anything yeah. which i mean that was also during the height of george floyd and all the protests that were going on in la and all like so the cops were not yeah. responding to a lot how of stuff. crazy was it being there when all that shit was going that shit was why because i got a, a notification on my phone that said there's a full curfew in effect and i was like fuck you Dude. First of all, uh, yeah, I remember you posting. And, a friend of mine lives in downtown LA, Mike Andler. He's been on the podcast. Uh, but I could hear the like tear gas canisters. I could hear all the stuff happening from my place in North Hollywood, but I don't know specifically where it was. Did you see any like uh, rocks like that? 
how that was happening. Like, like uh, the bricks that would just yeah, show up and stuff. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. We took water to um, – they were doing a protest downtown, and my house took water down there to the protesters, but we were back before dark. So See, Mike, um, he shared this, and I talked. I believe we talked about it on the podcast, and I was on his podcast. But he was like uh, walking his dog. Steve the dog, he live streams the walks with Steve yeah. every day. It's it's fucking awesome. He lives in like a high rise in like downtown LA, like yeah. beautiful, everything, like view. And he's like going going down to walk the dog. And there was a uh, like a military Humvee parked right there. And like a um, think National Guard, uh, like a female guards person. And um, she was like, you don't want to be here. Like, you needed to get, like, this is the same day that that, like, he was sharing mm-hmm. the screens of, like, that notification you got. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be in your, you need to be in your house. Like, shit's about to get bad. And, and it's just like, what? Yeah. Like, just th- that, but, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I was just hearing crazy stories. And, like, when I would talk to Jack, Jack lives in LA, too. And he's, he's been talking about m- maybe moving to Salt Lake. Um, but, man, just, like, it would suck to still be there, I think. Mm-hmm. but but also like jack didn't really have like massive complaints and like really is um based off of talking with him not that getting like uh super like hey jack tell me more about that like uh seems to be doing really well now mm-hmm. you know but uh I've I still, the imagine. people that i lived with out there so i moved out there with other comics from arkansas and two of them are still out there and how are they making it they they love it. they're not going anywhere um I actually one of them. She's coming and doing the Looney Bin next week, so I'll get to talk to her and get an update. It'll be the first time I've seen her since I lived out there, so we're gonna catch up and I'll get more of a rundown. But I know they moved to like the downtown area right after, like right when I moved back to Arkansas when everything was still shut down out there. They moved to downtown, so yeah, from North Hollywood. What kind of so that whole experience is like being how long were you in LA? I was two years. I mean, I had to do a lot for you coming back to any market. Oh yeah. It like, I feel like a, I'm a better comic now than I've ever been, which is why I'm really excited to be producing these shows and trying to get more people to come out because like for the first time I'm like, I'm not like my mom could come see me and I know I'm going to make you laugh and not embarrass you. Like, um, but being out there, one thing I learned was that, if you're a comic in a smaller market, you need to get headliner funny before you move to the big market because you need to come in with some heat. Otherwise, they're just going to see you as an open micer, which is what I did. I went in and I was only a year in and all the clubs that I went to and stuff like the store, like I knew the door guys at the store, knew some people at the improv and stuff like that. But I was an open micer to them, Dude, like, even though I was getting booked in the middle of the country and like working, like being a professional comic, getting paid for it out there. You're you're nobody until you're not. The it seems like I remember when I was also in Southern California, Long Beach. I remember when I first went to Worlds as a purple belt, just mm-hmm. like being there, seeing all the jiu-jitsu people, like looking over his Andre Galval, like, hey dude, I got your fucking book, bro. Like, it's great. Thanks. Like, yeah. This the Mendez brothers who Kurt Ossiander, like you're seeing all these people that you know you you admire. And, and, and then you're seeing the sport, but it seems like, dude, like the comedy store is the world's. Oh, that's of comedy. Oh, it's amazing performing there. Now, I didn't get to do the main room. I only got to do the OR and the belly room. 
but that is so fucking cool. Like when you're on stage and there's literally a big neon sign that says Richard Pryor next to you, like oh, that's wow. just cool. Dude, like, I didn't show you. Uh, well, I'll try and think. I got to bring it over here and figure out. I got this on air sign. Yeah. That my sign guy, Nick, made. Yeah. It's fucking badass. Like I, I'm probably going to mount it to the wall, but I have some art plans for here. Yeah. So I hadn't really figured out where I'm going to put it. I'm running out of time. That'll so be cool. Scary, dude, but yeah. One thing I learned about going out there, and this is what I've been telling the comics back here, is like, because all the guys that, are here they're like man i want to go to the big scene i want to do this what i learned at the comedy store was that it's not the physical place itself that makes that place what it is it's the camaraderie and the level of people that work there and built it and made it what it is so the comedy store is the comedy store because of people like robin williams richard Pryor, jim carrey that came in there and mm, made that yeah. place what it is and so what i've been telling all the guys back here is we can build it here it was built there and people flocked to it because it was known for being high quality. If we produce something high quality here, people will also come. And there's no reason why Little Rock can't be known for stand up the way Chicago is, the way New York is, the way now it's not as big, as big a scene. There's not near the population, but I strongly believe that especially having gone out there and come back, like I probably won't live out there again. There's no need to, it's so expensive. It's yeah. so, and like, especially I'm getting on stage more now because instead of doing 14 sets out there where I would do three minutes for nobody, I'm getting like six sets a week here in front of legit crowds mm -hmm. and where I can go up 10, 15 minutes and like work on my act and work on my craft. So how much time do you think you lost? Like where you weren't getting to perform, you weren't like now, you, like imagine you would have been doing that. Um, that that would have been the situation in LA for you, right? Yeah. If there was no pandemic, but like how much, uh, how many months of like not getting to do really anything did you experience? March to August. And that, and like Chappelle said it on Rogan the last time he was on there, what we do is not riding a bike. You can't just take a whole lot of time off and expect to come back clicking the way you were before mm -hmm. you got off. It's just, that's not that type of skill. And that was why like, we tried to do a lot of like low key speakeasy stuff when we were out there, but then half the comics would be like, we're going to turn you in. We're going to tell call the city. We're going to do it. And it's like, it's whatever. So dude, I told, I told um, RPD, I was like under no circumstances is anybody from your department to fucking come on my premises. Oh yeah. Right. I'm like, I'll fucking own this. And you guys do not have any fucking say so about what goes on in here yeah i mean i closed for six weeks mm -hmm. right after buying this four hundred thousand dollar building yeah might i add three weeks after we moved in like five weeks of remodel we moved in and i'm just like and i closed and then we did a lot of due diligence coming back but um dude my that guy i was mentioning that knows jack is in new fucking york bro mm -hmm. and i'm just like and he was on tucker carlson Dude, yeah. like if uh, if you remind me after, I'll shoot you the link. But okay. um, that this guy that hosted Hicks and shit, but uh, that he started back. He's in Malta, New York, but he's like fuck the government. He still is like fuck the government. Yeah. So that's um, what all of this has made me. Because uh, just the whole thing has the shit show we've had since the pandemic has made me be like, well, fuck y'all don't know what you're doing anyway, so fuck off. Like, and honestly. This is how I felt about like the vaccines and the masks and stuff. It's like I quarantined for like almost a complete year. I did exactly what I was supposed to. I always wore the mask. I was due diligent, social distance, everything. But at some point, 
I gotta live my life. You gotta make a living. Yeah, I gotta work. I got. I can't just live under a rock for the rest of my that's, life. That's that's the main thing. Like that for me, it's like livelihood. Yeah. Like I get it. Like when worlds like in two, I still had my history salary and shit and benefits mm-hmm. coming in, but it's like it's like, no, 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 no. You cannot tell me. Like, I mean, like, we got to come up with something else. Like, just let me handle it. Yeah. That's, but, and then, and I get it too. It's like, but Walmart never fucking closed, not for one day. The cool thing about it though, and this is, and a lot of comics probably won't agree with me on this, especially my friends out West, but I don't care. We, uh, like for once in my career, comedy was dangerous again. Like if you were going out doing shows, you were the bad guy. You were the, like, oh, you can't do that. You got to be doing this. Yeah. And so it felt, it felt dangerous and it felt like it reminded me, uh, reminded me is not the right word. It made me feel a connection with like legends like Lenny Bruce and other things who were ever like, hey, fuck you. This is what I'm doing. And while well, now nobody was arresting me, I wasn't in nowhere near danger like he was, but it still gave me that kind of connection and made me respect it that much more. Panic sings about Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. It just, that's, I think, how I heard about it. Yeah. He uh, just for me, if because comedy was dangerous again, and it kind of you got to see, oh, who here are the actual like people that are gonna say what they actually feel, and who here are the bootleggers that are just like trying to be famous or whatever. Yeah, and that's what it showed me. Like all of my friends that were like, and I'm not saying that because the pandemic was very serious. We had a lot of people die. I'm not saying that it wasn't serious at all, but for those people that were just like. If you do it, I'm calling the city. I'm shutting you down. I'm. It's like, dude, oh, I, you're you're a problem. I was legit worried. Um, there's this uh, there's this local kind of show with the paper. It's kind of like a podcast, but they pretty much only deal with like political shit. Like the um, and both of the people have been on this podcast, but dude, there's the the female host remain. All these people remain nameless, mm-hmm. but was like blasting people on the internet. Uh, social for like doing whatever. Now she was primarily targeting like churches, mm-hmm. right? But I was like, uh, oh fuck, we're next. Like just like the way things are coming across, and it's like we were in here training, and like it was after the adults had like um, we never. I don't think we ever required a mask for while we were on the. Mm-hmm. right like we required people and they're walking in because like dude you get a bottleneck like right in the front of the doorway mm-hmm. at the counter but also at some point you've got to take your own safety and well-being in, into your own hands at some point it's your own responsibility dude, dude i mean and, we do that every day yeah we got this like like i understand like because that's what i would tell people when i was doing shows it's like look i understand there's a risk if you're worried about it don't come don't be around me like if you and i would tell people i've been out i've been around people if you don't want to, like, if that worries you, don't come around me. And, so, and I'll respect that because yeah. that's your wishes. Yeah. But also, you can't tell me what I can and can't do anymore. At some point, I'm going to live my life. So it, it is. I mean, it's it's weird. It's all fucking weird. Everything from, I mean, there's a this benefit concert mm-hmm. happening that Watchworth Panic's doing, uh, our Lord and Savior. But, uh, <laughs> And it's it's a charity event. It's I forget all the details on it, but you have to present a vaccine ID. See, ID. Flappers in LA right now is making all of their people come in the audience 
show proof of vaccination to get into the show. Isn't that wild? And I say fuck that, but that's my own opinion. It's um, that's a strange and and, and two like. I don't know. I need to look back on the history of. I know within the Spanish flu, and, and I had a couple of guests talk about this. There was like an anti-mask league, and oh yeah, and she, like there was a lot of parallels. Yeah, right. And uh, but I wonder on some of this other shit, like like when polio vaccine came out, mm-hmm. were people required to get it? Like, would would were there people who had a problem with it? Right, and. Um, I just, hey, you know, this is going to sound stupid as fuck. Like, I'm not doing my fucking part or something, but I hate getting shots. Yeah. And not only do I hate, like, punch me in the face. I'll fight both of y'all, right? Yeah. Ain't hey, nobody whooping your ass. I got you two black belts. Like, dude, I was yeah. like, I was getting that cortisone shot in my shoulder, and I'm like, All right, I'll fight, bro. Oh, oh. <laughs> dude, it's terrible, bro. Yeah. But I'm like, voluntarily do that? Like I'm just not like I got blood drawn uh, and I get it drawn like every year and I'm just always like, yeah, it just fucking bothers me. I hate like volunteering for it and uh, not being conspiratorial at all. But it's like uh, in court at the vaccine. But we we've been um, trying to conceive for a while and I'm like, yeah, we should probably hold off on that just because we don't know Mm -hmm. uh, anything about it. Yeah. You know, and, and again, not being like an anti-vaxxer or anything, uh, honestly, but I uh, I want it to be, and I haven't had COVID. Have you had it? No. Well, no, I haven't had a positive test. Yeah, not, and I will say this, uh, I've been around it so much, dude. Like, Cora had it, and I was, like, with her for the whole time. She had symptoms for 11 days. Yeah. And, um Slept in the same bed with her all 11 days, dude. Um, the number of people I've been around that have had it is remarkable. When Cora got it, like everybody I'd been around and she'd been around that was an instructor here also got it. Mm-hmm. Like, and she felt terrible. And I know people that have died from it. So I'm just like, not like I'm conflicted about it. It's like, it's just a fucked up thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, what do we do? Other than, uh, I was around a bunch of people that had it, and I thought, like one time in not February, it was like August September. I had like mild symptoms, but I never got a test. I just I was like, it was like cold like symptoms, and I had a cough, and I had like bad congestion in my lungs, and so I was like, if this stays bad i'm gonna go get tests like go but i just self-quarantined for a couple weeks and it just got over it and but yeah. i and i never like i said never got a test so it, there's no telling whether i had it or not i know a lot of I, the owner of the joint the comedy club that i work at a lot he got it and they cl- shut the club down for a while dude talk about, they closed did you have any hypochondria since the pain because dude i i did have this weird issue and i still don't really know why but there was like a spurt of like uh, five or six months where I had headaches. Oh, if like, I get a cough, I'm like, okay, I'm dead. Like, like super mild yeah. headaches. And I'm like, I've got COVID. Yep. Like yep. every time, dude. And too, I'll say this. Like, fuck, I started taking some out. And I've taken it before. But Alpha Brain, have you ever had Alpha Brain? No. It sounds great. Yeah. But it gives me a fucking headache. And like, I'm, I don't get headaches unless uh, 
over over the last couple of years, if I get hit square on the chin, mm-hmm. I I will get a headache. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's happened multiple times. And I don't spar very much because of that same reason. And two, I've like basically it's kind of weird. I don't box very much. Yeah. Whereas before I would box all the time. That's like what it's like. I'm gonna beat you with my hands, and then I'm gonna chop your leg down. Yeah. And it, now I, I I outfight more. Like I used to always want to get on the inside and clinch takedowns, whatever it was. And uh, like now I is like I'm getting like I'm 34. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I, I just want to, and that's why I like this super fresh shit I've been studying because it is like on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's like, I kind of like used to always talk shit about kicking with your, your foot in certain situations, but mm-hmm. like, it's because I was trying to do it in the, the, the range and distance away from you where I would throw like tie style shit. I could still punch you. Yeah. Like this shit is like, yeah, you might throw a punch or two or three and get angles and shit like that. You might box a little bit, but when you kick them, you're like a little bit further away. Right. So it's like, and you can use a sidekick in closer, but it's just like a different set of shit, but it's like more conducive. Cause I'm not like, I'm not in range to get like slobber knocked. Yeah. Right. But um, that's been, fuck, I don't know. I, I had carp I have carpal tunnel in this and I, I like you mentioned Parkinson's earlier and dude I had like a twitch and then I finally isolated that it would happen when my wrist and finger would both be bent. Right? Okay. It's not doing it right now. That's karma for all them wrist locks you do on the white belts. <laughs> Man, <laughs> That's dude, what that is. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Uh, I'd sent uh, Danny during uh, we were messaging on Facebook and I'd seen something I'd sent him before. Like I was sending some videos of shit I was working on. Yeah. We're just talking about shit. And then I like the last thing I'd send him is like Luke Skywalker here. Hey, how could you wish like me? I'm just a white belt. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I remember um I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast, but I've I've definitely told it before. We we're training at Chris Thompson's gym. Mm-hmm. And this guy from like I think he was from Mina. I don't remember. But he was a white belt, and he was like, he's probably your size, maybe a little like, maybe a little uh, lighter, mm-hmm. maybe the ten pounds lighter. And uh, I was training for fucking worlds or something. I think I just got my brown belt, or I was like a, a like a more advanced purple belt. And we were training, dude, and it was insane. There was like forty people there, mm-hmm. like competition style training. Fuck. It was a rough day. Yeah. I remember like going out and it was cold outside, but it was hot inside. And like we would open the door and it would be like you would be like, but it was cold. So it was uncomfortable mm-hmm. like to breathe that. But um, I, I, we're rolling in this white belt, uh, like being super aggressive. And um, I was just like competition training. So I was one up in him everywhere. And he got stuck in my grip because of the size. Like he was he was close to me in size. Mm-hmm. And I wrist locked him and he like popped off something like and I was like, You want another? Like, <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, I've got a fucking tournament coming up and I've submitted four people in competitions with this shit. Like, yeah. you're not gonna fuck it up. Like, <laughs> I, dude, I joke about that shit now because back then I was it's 
it's not just like you're training for the points and the sport. You are in a different mindset, dude. It's like that competitive shit. Like, oh, to this day, I talk about that AGF tournament I did with y'all, and it was my first time competing and rolling with somebody in competition. And when that dude got me on the ground and got that pressure on me, I was like, oh, this is what it's like when somebody's going hard. Okay. Like, it – yeah, it was a world of difference. And my roommate, like he said that the guys at Westside are trying to get him to do competition. And that's what I've been trying to I say, roll with the guys at your gym that compete competitively and have them roll with you like a competitor. Cause it's not exactly the same thing. It's a different, it's not. Yeah. And it's, it's another level. Like there's another gear that you don't realize is there. Or at least I didn't realize until I had been through it. It's it, what is wild too is, um, like I've been talking with this, like just some stuff we've been kind of going over is almost all that jujitsu schools focus on is like, Hey, here's what the people in the room are going to do to you mm -hmm. who are also fucking trained. Right. Yeah. Like that doesn't like the, um, you, and you just, you don't get enough shit that could be applicable to fighting mm -hmm. self-defense, MMA, however you, but you just lose out on some of that shit because it's like, look, you think like the, the person that you're fighting against in the bar that like grabbed you while you were sitting at the bar from the side, right? And fucking did whatever. Like you think they're like, I'm going to initiate the half guard underhook battle and win it. No. And then I'm going to pass your guard. Yeah. And I'm like, no, they don't. Even if they watch the UFC, they probably like their whole, like, cause I've had, my buddy Colby, dude, he just from being a fan, like when he did so, he's a blue belt now. He's like uh had a fight IQ. Like he would like throw these ideas out occasionally. And I'm like, I never thought of that. Yeah. Like, and it's just like because he had just like for 10 years fucking watched that shit. Mm -hmm. And I used to go to his house to watch all the pay-per-views. Yeah. You know, and so like he adapted like in a different way. But so there's that that goes like people have fight IQs, you know, but um, yeah. I've been very lucky because um, I've learned that spam call. Um, I've learned, especially like with hecklers, I had this heckler once that he showed up to the open mic. He had this girl with him and like during every comic set, he was like, man, I can do this shit. Like, this ain't nothing. And he's talking to his girl. And I, I was sitting behind him and I heard him. And like people would be like, hey, y'all having a good time? He'd be like, no. Just like, you know, new guy coming up. He's just trying to get warm on the crowd. And like I said earlier, like a lot of the scene is still very segregated. And we're in a black room where like a lot of these guys are real intimidated to go in there. And like, because, and they just want to do a good job. And it's very, because one thing I love about black rooms, especially in Little Rock, is that they either love, if they love you, they're going to let you know, hey, we love you. And if they hate you, they're back. We're going to let you know, we hate you. And so it's a it's a very double-edged sword, which is what makes it so fun. But this guy's in the back, and he's just being an asshole for no reason. And finally, I get up on stage, and I'm sitting back there, and I remember what he says, like, I could do this shit. And I just kind of had it in the back of my head, and I was doing my set. I was having a really good set. I was getting laughs. I was hitting all my punchlines. And like right there towards the end of my set, um, I told Dre, the host in the back, I said, hey, I'm going to do one more and then I'm coming off. And uh, the, this dude, his name's Jerome. He goes, OK. And I was like, what, what's wrong? man? Why are you having a bad time? What's wrong? And then 
he starts going off and I just I don't I've got it on my TikTok. I can show it to you after, but like I was like, you I told the crowd, I was like, this guy, you know, we had all these people coming up trying for the first time. It's very nervous to get up here in front of you, and he's in the back, like, I could do this shit. What you don't know, Jerome, is this is an open mic. You can sign your bitch ass up. You I'll give you the rest of my time. You can get up here. And he was like, oh, oh, oh. And I was like, you ain't half a bitch, you ain't a three-quarter bitch, you a whole bitch. And they got a huge pop the whole because the whole crowd was tired of him because they had been listening to him do this it all fucks night. Up the day. Yeah, yeah. Like that shit was I had um we had con- tables at the concert last night. Yeah. And then there was a crowd too. But there's people next to us like flashing their fucking camera the whole night. And then Todd Snyder in the middle of the show to a heckler mm-hmm. was like, hey, you know, I played all the songs you wanted me to play. It can't just be about me and you, you know, just maybe just don't do that as much. Yeah. Like this, like this, like basic. And I was like, like, but this guy, he got up and starts walking to the stage. And I was like, well, like, I'm making jokes, man. The crowd loved it, like, obviously. And I'm thinking, well, shit, now are we about to fight? Like, is this about to get something physical? Mm-hmm. But luckily, all the comics in there got in between. And then he was eventually came up and apologized and was drunk and was trying to have a good time, which Dude, whatever. Yeah, that's another factor, man. Mm-hmm. Like, at these MMA shows, at, at comedy, concerts – People get drunk and stupid. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild, and uh, that's like always the element. Like, dude, I have no problem drinking. Yeah, at all. But it's like that's just like show, like entertainment, like what we're talking about of any kind. Uh, like what I've been to UFCs. Mm-hmm. Dude, the drunk fans there that that are like three hundred pounds, right? The never trained a day in their life, and the shit that they yell, it, mm-hmm. it blows my mind. I, I'm like, like, oh, you don't know. Like you just you just don't know. It's uh and you're letting everybody in here know you don't know. <laughs> like it's so stupid. It's 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 a weird situation, but that's just people, man. Yeah. It wears me out. We got a guy that's uh for, he used to live in Vietnam teaching English over there and came over and has been doing stand up and I look I was like he's like this real lanky, like nerdy looking dude. He's real soft but kind of weird, socially awkward, but like his lats and his shoulders and like it's like I could just I look I was like I asked him when I was like you do jujitsu he's like yeah I'm a purple belt I was like okay yeah you look like this this nerdy like happy always like happy go lucky like never mad at anybody like you look like you could fuck somebody up in here we got a comment what's the comment alpha brain is some crazy stuff made me have weird anxiety from uh Christmas. I wanted to try it. It's just so expensive. Like it is, dude. And like I shit, I got a fucking bottle. I'm probably never gonna take any of again, dude. Yeah. Um and two, I got like I'd heard that. Like my buddy Nick, he told me he's like, Yeah, shit gave me headaches. Mm-hmm. And then like they acknowledged that it gave people headaches and changed the formula. But maybe I got an old batch. I don't know what the deal is, but uh it uh and two it, it fucked with Cora too. Like she took some of it and it like just made her like real like jitter. She only took one. I think I took I think the servants too. Yeah. I take you know that new mood mm-hmm. and I notice a difference on that. And uh but and I also take that uh host defense, the That's mushroom that. powder. Oh, okay. Right, dude. It's great. What I usually do in the morning is I'll drink a can of that caveman coffee. 
and I would do a couple of scoops of yeah. the cordyceps and this other, it's like seven different blends. What I'm trying to do is get, we're trying to build up scoundrels live stand because we're going to a few venues now and like what our business model is, is we'll go in and be like, what's the, your worst night of the week? Okay. What, give us a budget. We'll turn it into your best night as far as bringing people in here and drink sales. And then, yeah, that's a big, and so we've done that at a couple bars now or in some bars where they're giving us a budget where we can pay comics to come in and do shows. And what, I, what we're trying to do is get enough of those businesses to where we can do scoundrels live stand up full time that way. And cause I want to get back into jujitsu and I want to get like supplements again, because that's one thing with comedy being, especially when I'm on the road, when I'm at home, I eat mostly like, deer meat and eggs from my mom's house and like i try to eat real clean when i'm at the house but if i'm on the road like it fast food is almost the only yeah. option and it sucks but and i don't get to work out as much as i used to and like i'll look back at like pictures of when i was training it up here at force and i'm like Fuck, i want to train again so bad it's so much fun dude uh you know after I got uh, stopped competing. Mm -hmm. I got, I wouldn't say I got unhealthy, but like I was, I had a couple of injuries. Like I think I tore my groin and just never got it checked out. Dude. Yeah. It was my hip and groin were, it was fucked up for like the longest time. Like I, I couldn't do some of the most weird basic shit and I would get this femoral nerve pain, like burning sensation on the inside of my thigh. And it is fucked up, but it, it finally went away. And then I had this torn labrum, but that that occurred like. Uh, That's what I had with mine was a torn labrum. Fuck, dude. And, and I've been rehabbing the shit out of it. And it's I think it's getting better. I had it pop out four times and had to go have it tied mm, together yeah, in surgery. I, th I think I remember you going through that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah see, I think I'm going to avoid surgery for now. Mm -hmm. Um but it's just because I, I did three months of PT twice a week. Yeah. And now I'm doing all, all that shit here. I got band setups, do, even doing more than I was in a PT, doing both shoulders three days a week. Mm -hmm. um, but man, it just staying with it. I need to say, like people I've talked to are like 10 months to a year. Right. And then still, um, you got to be fucking careful mm -hmm. after the, for a while after that, because it's like, that's just where it's like, okay, you're, you're strong. I still get minor impingement mm -hmm. maybe four times a week, but dude, I used to get impingements and subluxation 30 times a day. Damn. Like wasn't popping out, but like the looseness mm -hmm. and then like the catching, mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. that hurts. It, but uh, now, like last night when I put my gi on, I was like, oh, but it's different. And two, I, is when they gave me that cortisone shot, um, almost immediately my shoulder was tighter. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was one of the, and I felt, and I feel like that impingement is almost like it catching and tightening back up, like it popping back in more as I strengthen the, the muscles around it. But that's one good thing about the people I live with and like the guys I work with and stand up, like we're constantly trying to push each other and like compete with each other as far as like, who's coming with new jokes. Like, Oh, you did like, yeah, you had a good set, but you did the same jokes you've been doing for three weeks, man. Why, why aren't you writing new jokes? Why aren't you? And so we're trying to push each other. The guy I live with Zane Lovelady, he is like a competitive dancer and in hella good shape. And every day when he's, he's at the house working out, and he'll just come in there and be like, hey, you working out with me? Or like, are we doing this? And so 
And like I have to because if I don't, all week it shows I'm just going to hear how much of a bitch I was that I didn't work out with him that week. So it's good that we push each other like that. I'm just looking for – like I want to get successful enough at this that I have the time dedicated that I can work out again and get back into yeah, really jujitsu. Well, see, I had to – I had to build that shit in and like reevaluate because when I started doing martial arts, mm-hmm. like that was my exercise. Yeah. Right. Like that's how I got in shape. Anything I did to ever get like improve my cardio, get into shape, get stronger was like, I got a competition coming up. Yeah. Like, uh, this is like, I'm fighting. Like uh, this is, I have to do this all the time because I'm fighting all the time, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And, um, like after not competing for two or three years, starting to work at the university, being super busy all the time. Like I was not exercising outside of here at all. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really doing a ton here. Like I, I was like injured. So I wasn't getting to roll like consistently. And uh, then I just like, I got, I remember I got bronchitis twice in a row. Yeah. one year and that freaked me the fuck out like there i remember like being real freaked out that i couldn't breathe and just like i just was not feeling good dude at all and then i just started exercising all the fucking time like i went and got a fitness membership started getting up at four because that's what time david goggins gets up yep. dude i mean fuck like he's like fuck people to get up at 4 30 get up at four and i was like it's hard to have right. an excuse when you listen to somebody like that. You're like, man, I'm just a bitch. Okay. <laughs> I just well, need to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, okay. Like, so like my stresses were around like not physically feeling well, not having time to do shit I want to do, mm-hmm. having too much shit to do. And it just not all of, all of it being bad and together. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all right, well, I need a free up time. How am I going to do that? Variety of ways, but getting up earlier was one of them. And then exercising gave me more energy. Mm-hmm. Like I tweaked my back just a little bit, like my rhomboid. It, it's weird. It's it's not like it, it's minor, but like I've been training super hard for this event this weekend for several weeks. And are you uh, competing this weekend? Uh, no, with uh super foot Bill Wallace. Um, he is uh he's the dude who found the blues brother belushi found him dead oh deed oh wow. uh, fucking trained elvis presley like dude's a rad old guy it's like 76 yeah. i think now but i've trained with him before been around him a ton dring is a like eighth degree bite belt under him mm-hmm. this guy like is the the like the innovator of like what we would call kickboxing Mm -hmm. right and um i'm testing i'm going to a camp it's all weekend and i'm testing for my bite belt under him gotcha right it's been i basically trained to drink for this shit a ton and then they have a regional event every year at camp and then i'll go uh just test they did a a pre-testing already it's but dude, I was training super hard for that and kind of got on the tail end. I got like some fucking sinus sickness when it was raining a ton. Mm-hmm. And um, fuck that. Uh, 
I'm just kind of like I feel like I was overtrained a little bit, but I'm I'm dialed back in for for this weekend. But good, I, good luck. Thanks, man. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun. Um, it's gonna suck. I will train all day from like nine to four thirty, and then do the testing at six. Yeah. Um, with, I mean, there's like breaks and shit in between and a lunch, but um, it's gonna be a fucking marathon. Weekend. Yeah. But uh, that will be fun though. Yeah. But man, honestly, like I've been feeling super healthy. The moral of the story is other than like just training real hard uh, and tweaking a f- couple of minor things, I've been feeling super healthy from just like, okay, I work out on a regular basis. I got like a morning ritual where I am doing some supplementation, um, probiotic, uh, drinking and consuming, you know, nutrients and, and vitamins I need from either, like, dude, I'm just kill some vitamin C every day, D, um, uh, fish oils, uh, the the new mood. That's something. Uh, the mushroom supplements. Mm-hmm. Really, dude, this coffee will not give me any heartburn. Like some coffee, Does regular some, coffee some give cold, you heartburn. Well, yeah, yes, regular coffee, and then some. Like if I were to just get as much uh, Starbucks cold brew mm-hmm. is would get me off the amount that this does. It would give me heartburn. Yeah, sure. and it, and it, it's the same thing with with really energy drinks give me heartburn. Yeah, sugary shit gives yeah. me heartburn. Um, anything red, like typically yeah. gives me heartburn. I, I I don't know what it is. I was is. talking specifically fruit punch energy drinks give yeah. me heartburn. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could be the red dye. Um, I could be allergic to that, or uh, I don't know. Like I I kind of feel like uh, just acidic shit like mm-hmm. tomatoes to me are super acidic yeah to me I, I don't know if everybody feels that way but i i never liked tomatoes for that reason like anything with tomato sauce will fucking kill me kind of always has like when i remember being a kid like eating some chef boyard raviolis bro and then it still gave me heartburn as yeah. a kid you know like you're like oh man what's going on yeah uh but uh yeah, so I, I just try to monitor what I eat, drink tons of water, don't drink tons of coffee. Because mm-hmm. that's like this, I can do a couple of cans of these a day. That is my second can today, but typically one can will do it for me. I have a habit of coffee when I write. So every day I start my day, I wake up, and for the first hour or two, I'll set a timer on my phone and I'll look up like, news anything like current events that's happening if it catches my eye, i'll write about it and then i'll get like a cup of coffee and a fat bowl packed and i'll just write and i'll go and i'll keep replacing the coffee and then about an hour in i'll smoke the bowl and then because i'll have that first hour where i'm really like just trying to see if there's any ideas out there and then i get loose and i try to get creative okay where can i take this how does this make me feel like is there any is it yeah i know that's similar ritual here isn't it funny how it's like all right let me take this upper we're going to just dial it up a notch and we're going to dial it back in with this downer yeah right and i just like i'm not saying that like you need weed or coffee to write or anything it's just what i've found that helps me get the most some people don't experience that and i kind of like i joke around with people about it sometimes i'm like you don't like the thoughts it makes you think like yeah, you, like, you know what i'm saying like i do yeah like it makes me uh just look at shit differently mm-hmm. right like joe rogan talks about that it, it is um 
it's like an introspective, mm-hmm. like you, but, but I think maybe not everybody experiences that. You know. And I, it affects, and that's what I tell people uh, in my life. Like it affects everybody differently. Some people it helps them out and they love it. Some people it makes them jittery or anxious and they hate it. And for me personally, it, especially creatively, it helps me because I have a real bad problem with, as I'm writing. Um, I've, been fortunate enough and successful enough that I've got jokes that I know are funny. So as I'm writing, I'm like, this isn't as funny as that other stuff. So I, I why am I, I'm wasting my time. And then I get blocked because I get in my yeah. own head as I'm judging as, as it's coming out, where if I just smoke a bowl, all that goes away. And then I'm just in the idea of, well, okay, how can I take this or where can I go with it or what? And then it, it helps that, me get over that. The whole creative process, what we're talking about basically, but this, the writing process in general is, um, my friend Josh, he's, he's an author and I've had several authors on this podcast, Mm -hmm. but, but they kind of all talk about this in a similar way of like, I just can't put that out. Yeah. I think I'm going to rewrite it. Like where it's a a point of like, you, you, you like the overall skeletal structure, the premises, the, the main idea, but you can't pull anything else together. Yeah. Well, that's what, like, Honestly, with um, the thing I said I was going to write with you, the uh, or for you, the Dave Chappelle thing, I got like halfway, three quarters of the way done with it. And I messaged you. I was like, you want this? And I didn't quite like where it was at. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll put it down, pick it up tomorrow. And then just it's one of those things where it just never came. And I was like, this is shitty. I can't put this out. And then I felt unprofessional and bad because I was like, I should have just, yeah, I still haven't even rolled that bog out, dude. Like I've got it on the website, but um, like, that's kind of what I was talking about. Like I, I was been trying to dial the studio and to be a hundred percent what I want, right. Mm-hmm. Getting the live stream work. Like now, like I said, like I'm going to have to upload this video later and that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing on the audio starting after next week. I do have to strip the audio off to put on the website, mm-hmm. but that saves time. Hiring somebody to edit all my videos that I do need edited saves time. And really what I'm trying to clear up a ton of time for is to fucking write, dude. Yeah. Dude, my master's thesis already. Yeah. Uh, martial arts related. Uh, let's see. What is the official title? It's a long one. Modern Martial Arts and the Reinvention Tradition. Damn, your thesis is a book. It is, right? And two, like where I stopped, where I stopped it, I brought it right up to Brazil and the UFC. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I talked about how and when and why judo went to Brazil because it's like it's part of something called the gentleman's agreement in history where basically there was an agreement between the United States government and Japan that the Japanese would no longer migrate to the Western coast. Yeah. Right. And this is just a couple of years after this, the whole chapter about this, that Teddy Roosevelt was doing judo in the basement of the white house, bringing in like putting judo, like masters teaching at West point. Mm-hmm. Like it was like this close to becoming like an American military tradition. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
then all of a sudden, like, it stops. But you fast forward to into World War II. Those same people who had already migrated that were even first, uh, not first generation, but second, third generation mm-hmm. of living there were rounded up and put in, like, concentration-style camps, like internment camps. Yeah. Forced to pick cotton. In Arkansas, dude, forced to pick cotton. Jerome and Rower, Arkansas. George Takai, Mr. Sulu from Star Trek, was one of those people, right? Uh, so I teach about this Arkansas history. Yeah. And uh, but so what happened is they diverted immigration to Brazil. And right? so that's why judo went there. Which... Yeah. And then that guy was who had come here in 1905 and done some of the original judo demonstrations mm-hmm. with this other guy that taught at West Point, Yamashita. And um, he ended up going as a part of, I think it was 1911, if I'm mistaken, uh, to this colony that Japan had set up in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And that guy ended up teaching the Gracie brothers. Wow. Right. Like, so, but I, I, I did not go to that last little sentence I did said, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's, that's another chapter. Right. And then that goes into, you know, UFC one mm-hmm. to now to ESPN. Right. So that's kind of what I want to do is expand that. That's why I've got that bound copy right there. Cause I'm going to, and I've got my friend Thurman and I got a couple of friends looking at that and just being like, tell me everything that's stupid about it. Like mm-hmm. what do I need to change. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to get more precise of like, there's one chapter in particular. I want one of my history mentors to look at when I do start revising it. Mm-hmm. Cause I have to, it, it, to do what I'm talking about. I have to revise. I have to revise it to, reflect all that shit i just said that i haven't mentioned Mm -hmm. because it's not mentioned throughout and it would need to be added to the introduction right the conclusion would change and that's one good thing about my buddies that i'm close with that i write together with um we don't write jokes for each other but we'll anytime we have an idea we will call and either we'll meet up and physically sit down and work it out together i'm like in the room with them delivering the joke or We'll be doing it on the phone because on the phone it's brutal when you're like like here comes something funny huh and then they they're not laughing and it's just dead silence on the phone it it really sucks but with them what i like is we all respect each other as artists enough that we can be like that sucks don't know you that's you're better than that you can that's a weak idea that's a because like i had an idea where um i was wanting to build up like the scenario of a deer getting gut shot and it's like this horrific thing that happens in hunting and it's real and at the end of it the punchline was like doesn't that make you so happy like if you ever had a deer jump out in front of your car doesn't that make you so happy like and that was the juxtaposition is this horrific suffering thing uh it makes you happy it was the joke i was going for and one of the thing in there with the deer collapsing from exhaustion um like i had a placeholder of like michael jackson at the sleepover which okay it's kind of funny but a it's not relevant and b like one of my buddies, he was like, "You're you can do better than that." And so I'm currently trying to find a better punchline there for that. And that's one good thing about having people like that that you know that can revise your work that you admire and respect that will. They're not worried about hurting your feelings, and they're just going to give you their honest opinion. That's so valuable. Yeah, 
Yeah, and two, honestly, like. And especially if you can separate yourself from it to where you can be like, because especially if you work hard on something, it's really easy to get personally attached to it. But if you can remove yourself from that and be like, just like you said, you're like, which, I mean, it may not be as big a deal for you as a martial artist because a martial artist, you have to do that on a daily with everything that you're doing. It's, you know, yeah, killed it, in the gym. It is, you know, it's just, um, I need to kind of shift the way I look at uh, writing to be similar to how I look at producing other content. Yeah. Right. Like I did like exactly what you're talking about with your, your jokes or, or whatever. I get hung up on the refinement process mm-hmm. of like, ah, oh, this is not done yet. Yep. But it will be someday. Right. Like I was joking with somebody the other day. I was like, yeah, as soon as I get my next puddle, that's when I'll find my sound. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I got to get that first. Like it's going to be, it's going to, yeah, it's coming together. Yeah. But not yet. I have like every, like literally, I don't even want to buy any more pedals because I'm like, oh, I bought all the pedals I ever wanted. Like that, but now I just like, okay, I know what I know what the options are, but it just never really quite works out. Like you're you're you you never magically find yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you already have it, you know. Like right. that's the thing. Like I could, but I want to. I just need to get like when I was talking to Hannah about this last night. Like when I was in, she's going to graduate school, and she's like how are you going to, how am I going to, you know, read all these books? I was like, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't do it. You skim them. Like, and everybody knows it. Like, here's how you skim. Yeah. And, and I just like went into it with her. And then I was like, or you do an audio book. Mm-hmm. If it's available, you, you, you listen to this because there's no way that you can read 30 books in a semester and do your other shit. Right. Um, Cause like what, what a, like if you take two readings courses at once in history, you'll be like uh, having a book review due for each course every week for the entire semester. Right. So I need like in their two pages. Yeah. So like, honestly, what I need to do is I need to go find all my book reviews, touch them up, and release them on the blog. I need mm-hmm. to go write the book reviews of the, and, and I just get hung up too. I'm like, well, I want to do a blog about the top 10 and then do one about the top 10. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like where I have it all planned out and it's just like, well, I got to write that one before I can write that one, before I can write that one, mm-hmm. before I can, you know, it's just like, and it's, it, but I just need to get better at like, look, like, fucking every friday i drop a book review it's two pages like what the fuck what what was the thesis what did i think about it mm-hmm. how's the book laid out it, it, did, did i like it? it was i critical of it in some way i did that's nothing it's five paragraphs you know but it is a disease to like uh it's it's weird like uh, some other people like with you it's jokes with me it's it's this or right. a book or right. or a blog but uh with other people it's it's uh music it's, mm-hmm. it's writing original songs right and it, for me it's that a little bit with everything but less so with doing like this podcast or the gym shit it's just like I just... specifically with the jokes like it it's so cool when those mocha's like i spend so many hours of my time writing and getting nothing out of it or I say getting nothing. We're getting nothing directly from my writing that's going to be used on stage that night. And it's just like 90% of it is just thoughts on paper, just 
to get the thoughts out of the way so the idea can come. But when it finally does come, it's so cool because, like, A, I don't know how it happens. I don't know why I thought of that. I don't know why it works. I don't know how to recreate it every time. It just yeah. happens. You, you have to show up. If you show up, eventually it'll happen. And yeah. it, when that happens, it's just – it's a magical moment. It feels – it's really rewarding. That's – yeah. I mean, dude, that's, that's funny because everybody that continues to do jujitsu. I heard two other, like a purple belt and maybe a black belt, a brandy, I think it was, say this recently. But two people within the last week were like, yeah, just keep coming to class. Yeah. And it's like, dude, it's not even the answer you want to hear. It's probably like, prob probably when you talk about uh, to some of these comedians that are ahead, they're pro they probably tell you shit you already know that you're already doing. Yeah. Right. You may get something from it. But for me in the past, it's like, well, I'm doing the right things. Like I just got to like, for like, me, I see it when younger comics come up to talk to me. Cause now I'm in a position where for the first time in my career, I'm one of the OGs in the scene because a lot of the other comics have moved off. We've got a lot of new guys and they're kind of like, well, what do I need? And a lot of what I tell is like, just, just keep showing up, man. Like that's literally all you can tell them. It's like, you just have to keep doing it. You're going to learn all these lessons, but it's just going to be time and you come and put an effort in. To, you know, something I hear Joe talk about a lot that that I and I have this now, too. But it's like oh, just over the last couple of years is like. And I need to, again, build other things into it, but just like routine, like, OK, I get up at four, I exercise at five, I get my shit together from four to five. It takes that long, <laughs> like and then 10 minutes to the fitness center. Right. But just like that routine of here's when you do this mm -hmm. and i think when you uh, are um, mindful and you're focused on building that shit in that uh it becomes like what i need like what i need to do and again clearing time up is is part of it is build time into write every mm -hmm. day every writer i've ever talked to writes every day no matter what yep like in in all the ones I've talked to, and I want to do a series of podcasts just over writing with all these different people mm -hmm. and, and just kind of package them all together. And I've had most of these people on already, but everybody kind of has their own tips, mm -hmm. thoughts, suggestions. And it's I think we've probably talked about it every time you've been on it. Right? It's, it's fascinating to think about this, like, oh, what do you, how do you do it? You know? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, okay. Oh, the weird thing about writing for me is when I'm doing it in the process of it, I always feel like I'm terrible and I always feel like I'm not good. And then I look back though on like, say, look, I just did this last week where I look back and in January, since January, I've got like six, seven new minutes that are brand new from then. And it's like, I feel like I, I don't ever feel day to day. Like I'm any better than I was the day before. But I know showing up is making me better because if I look in the past and see where my act has gone from or like where like the laughs are to where like, oh, okay, I got a little left here, a little left here. It's like, no, now I got to pop here. Now I got to pop here. And I've noticed that with other comics, too. And with their writing, it's like you can we always feel bad about it, but you can always tell who's doing it because you just look at their set grow just any space length of time go from like january to now or so and so to so and so like you can tell who's putting the work in dude and too uh, like storing all this shit 
Uh, there's so much refinement I need to go do to like, I've created so many documents. Mm -hmm. Just if you looked at like my notes for the classes I teach, like well, I've been going through and like pulling it all back in mm -hmm. and like, oh, okay, well, why aren't those five bullet points in this? Like, yeah, it, move it over, delete this document. We don't need anymore. You know, but just uh, like synthesizing information uh, from different documents across time mm -hmm. is like, all right, yeah. Uh, Scrivener is what I use. Oh, so okay, that's okay. a, I heard about it on Rogan's podcast. Yeah, I I've, I've it. heard it. I, I don't think I've ever used it though. Yeah, it's, um, it was originally designed for like screenwriting, but it's like got a cork board that you can drag and drop ideas on and you can click into it and get like blown up uh, like documents right like in it. Mind map, yeah. And then you can move them and the whole document will move with it. And so, like, if you move something on the court board, everything in it, yeah, and you can look at it all as one written out document, or you can look at it in its infinitely, however many subsets you want. It's great. Dude, I will say the biggest game changer for me, I like Word, mm -hmm. um, is Office 365 with the mm -hmm. one uh, OneDrive cloud storage. Mm -hmm. I, I use that for work. I use that for all of my – I use OneDrive for all my recordings. Yeah. So I right. upload all of my voice. I used to film – every set and that got to where it was just taking up too much memory on my phone and stuff. And I didn't have enough time to backlog it on my PC. So I just, now I'm doing audio recordings. And then if I have like a important set or something's going to sell out, then I'll video record. You know what I've done in the past to mitigate that for seminars? What? If my phone's been full, go on Facebook, create a private group that you're the only person in there, mm -hmm. right? Live stream from your phone instead of recording into the group. And then, and then you then download it later. Okay. Right. I'm sure you could do it on YouTube too, but yeah. like I have a group that I created for a couple of people I've done privates with mm -hmm. where they will film the private mm -hmm. or we'll film the techniques we did at the end and they will put it, I, I will put it in there for them. Mm -hmm. Like it's just part of the, here, here you go. Boom. Yeah. But that's uh that's beneficial um, for, for review. Like, like, well, that's what we're kind of talking about is going back and looking at your shit and being like, Oh, Okay, I'm reviewing this and I'm gonna move it around. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's like jujitsu. I encourage all my students to do that, and I do it myself. I can't tell you how many times I've all this shit, you know. Yeah. Um, over that's a good and over idea. and over, and, and it's just like when I go back to it, I'm like, okay, okay I need to change this. I need to move this around. Right. But it, it's introspection there as well. Mm -hmm. If seeing yourself do shit, it's like shadow boxing in the mirror. You're like, why am I punching over there? Yeah. That's the way it is watching the set. It's so cringy to, especially on stage, it always feels better on stage than the recording. So when you're come off stage, like, man, that was a good set. I, I, I could feel it. That they were really feeling me. Then you go back and listen to the recording. And you're like, oh, I fucked up there, 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 there. And, it sucks, but it's the only way to get better. You have to do it. And so you have to just eat that feeling and just suck it up and know, okay, it sucks now. But the fact that I realize it sucks, and I learned this um, listening to a Kobe interview, uh, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. Yeah. So he's like, every time you make a, he would make a mistake, he said he taught himself to make – it made him happy. Like He changed his mind to where that is – I now know a place where I can improve. That makes me happy. And trying to come at it from that angle versus the, you know, the whole 
depraved artist thing, which is like, oh, I'm suck, I'm terrible, I'm blah 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 blah. Which is cool because it's, and I also heard this perspective. It's it's not that you suck; it's that your skill doesn't match your taste yet. You just have to get the skill up to the point where it matches your taste, and then yeah, roll with it. Yeah, yeah. Which is all a very stressful process. But it's that's, fun. That's like, like like everything you're talking. Like I think that's like the the when we engage with this shit, we're like, oh. yeah. But I feel like any skill worth pursuing has this. I feel like it, people with in jujitsu have it. Musicians. I feel like somebody like if plumbing's their passion and like they're trying to be like a master plumber, I feel like they go through the same thing. Where oh, it's it's like that. Yeah, yeah. we talked about half a dozen different things that it's like that making music comedy podcasting jiu-jitsu like it's it's just a that's why uh you know jeff woods when he started turning jiu-jitsu was like yeah like i'm and all the stuff he had undertaken and he'd even earned a black belt in taekwondo it's like he was the he was the teacher you know he was the like he's 40 when he started training 38 maybe mm-hmm. but he just was looking to be a student again mm-hmm. and like me too like i want like with the guitar lessons or i really and i i haven't done anything to follow through with this yet but i want to learn how to draw mm-hmm. not like on a computer like just freehand draw shit honestly i've always had a fascination with that and i just never cultivated mine that. is i want to learn how to dance like like mark Wahlberg and other guys like uh think more like uh I don't know. Like, you know, when you go to like a club or something and the circle breaks out and there's always the one dude like popping and locking. And so I wanted to be able to do that so bad. Like Starsky and Hutch. You remember yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always want to be like, I want to look like I have no idea how to dance and then nobody expects it and then just break it out. Like I always like, you see that in movies and stuff. I always thought that was really, really cool. Dude, uh, yeah. You remember the, there was a dance off scene in one of the, I think it was American Pie 3. Yeah, Stifler. Yeah, and uh, the, the hilarious. Um, but yeah, that shit's always be funny. That's the crazy thing about my roommate. Like I said, he's a competitive. He's a comic, but he's also a competitive dancer, and he's blind as shit. Like he's got to have a cane everywhere he goes, and so he's always dancing like nobody's watching because he can't see him watching. And so we'll be at the grocery store or something getting groceries, and he's just dancing through the aisles, and everybody's staring at him. He don't care. He's just having a good time. That's funny. Yeah. Dude, that's um like with uh yeah, I thought about this earlier, but with your your friend who's blind or uh people that are hearing impaired, uh whatever it is, like uh me being in education, mm-hmm. like accessibility is becoming more and more of a thing. I think about that more and more because when you mention I'm like, what if he was my student? Yeah. We would be fine. Um, because I produce so much audio content yeah you know but um he's not a scrub on the mat he's a blue belt his dad was an oh, mma right. and like he, now getting a hold of you it takes him a second but if he gets a hold of you he's that some, he's not dumb judo people are um there's some sick judoka that are blind i've, I've yeah. seen them at uh the tournament in dallas that we went to and uh too they they uh there was a blind person also at the agf the last agf mm-hmm. they let him start with grips yeah um which i i i think that's fine you know yeah yeah 
it's a it's opened my eyes a lot to like just being friends with him, seeing like different stuff that he has to go through. And he's always he pisses everybody off because he's like real good looking, handsome dude. He's blind and he's he's always in the best mood. He's in a better mood than anybody there. And it just makes people frustrated. And it's funny to see because like people be having a good time or complaining about something. Oh, I got to do this or I got to do that. And it's like, yeah, you could be blind. And he's sitting here having a better time than anybody. That is uh, interesting. And he, like, I'm going to say he's inspiring, but he hates, he's got a whole bit about how he hates being called an inspiration. Yeah. Oh, I bet he does have a good, he's funny, a good angle on things. What's his name? Zane Lovelady. Oh, yeah. Maybe I saw him on the live feed or something. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. He's the one that started Scoundrels with me. He's, he's a pretty good dude. Yeah, no, I saw that name pop across here. I still haven't figured out what all the, what all this thing does. Oh, we got a love from Zane Lovelady. Got the little heart. Oh, hell yeah. What's up, buddy? There. Yeah. I don't know if he's still listening. He's answering phones at Dillard's right now. So he's oh, probably yeah. got one headphone in. Oh, yeah. He uh, produces a show. Um, we do. He, get, he got it started at MFP. It's right off of Camp Robinson. It's a bar show. It's a good time. That's the crazy thing. It's like since we started doing this, we're trying to get it where we have a show every night of the week because mm-hmm. we're just trying to work as much as we can to get as good as we can. Cause we realize that we're not at the level we need to, cause at the end of the day, if I'm doing a show in a town and say Chappelle walks into town or Rogan walks into town or somebody else is doing a show, who are you going to pay money to see? Like I want to be good enough quality, putting out something that's quality enough to compete with all of that. Mm-hmm. So we're just every day trying to get better. And that's how we're doing it right now is trying to find businesses and get shows every night of the week, which is, makes yeah. me like you were talking about earlier, being busy. Like I'm always busy, but also I've never been happier. Like I'm fulfilled. You, you can't, uh, uh, you can't achieve the dream without it. Right. It's one of the ingredients. Yeah, for sure. Like that's the cost. It's like getting your bike belt in jujitsu. Yeah. Like you, you really use up your youth and your health and all of these things but you you get this invaluable skill mm-hmm. in exchange that you don't need those things to have that skill right you know what i'm saying like it's it's interesting it's a trade mm-hmm. like i'm like as i got to be about 28 and i've been training for like almost 10 years i started being like I still I didn't get my bike belt till almost 11 and a half years there. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, all of this, like, damn. Like, I wasn't thinking about not training everything. I was just like, but it's like, you know, I'm not even going to be young when I achieve this. Like, uh, that, like I'm not going to be old, but yeah. like, I thought about that with Todd Snyder last night. I'm like, this dude's been doing this forever. Like, he's literally been playing this bar since the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, and he sold out tonight, but that's because of so much hard work and consistency mm-hmm. and showing up and overcoming and having bad times and yep. doing it anyway. That's one thing I thought of the other day was that like when I first got into this, I didn't like, I, I knew the time, but I didn't know the time that it takes to go from open micro trying for the first time to being a world-class headliner. And like, I heard like, Oh yeah, it takes hear People say it takes 15 years. I didn't know what 15 years was until like right now, like I said, I'm at four years in and I'm just now hitting me like, oh, I've got a long way to go. Dude, I just started saying this. It's been 15 years since I graduated high school. Yeah. 
which is like fucking weird to say yeah for whatever reason but 30 i'm 34 now i just turned 34 in uh april and it's weird i've been doing jujitsu for almost 15 years uh have been it's like Really, dude, it was a, I talk about this sometimes. The emptiest moment ever is when, like, I achieved all of the short-term shit. I'm like, oh, jiu-jitsu black belt, full-time college historian. Um, I mean, my gym's huge. Like, I got the pilot. Like, oh, da, 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 da. like fuck, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Like, you know, like, literally, it's like you got everything you ever wanted going, and it's just popping off. And it's like you feel inclined because you're so in the habit of like achieving, mm-hmm. working, grinding, trying to get there that it's like, I used to apply it with something else, I guess. Start, yeah. Start over with drawing. Well, I'm fortunate that I get to start over in Little Rock and like I said, try to build something here. And it's been really cool to be like at Cregan's because um, that's the bar where I do that show on Mondays. And I have to pop in during the week, just, you know, say hi to the employees, say hi to the bartenders and stuff. I'm friends with all of them and um, be sitting there hanging out. And then the they'll get a call on the bar phone. Like, hey, is the comedy show going on Monday? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's happening Monday, at eight o'clock. And, so, and it's just the word getting out. And you just be sitting there and hearing it's like, oh, I must be doing something right. Like it's the fact that people are calling into the bar asking about it. Like, hey, when can we come see it? So because my thing right now. My biggest goal is to be word of mouth funny. Like you can put stuff on the internet, you can do whatever, but there's nothing like a recommendation if one of your really good friends comes up and goes, dude, you've got to check this guy out. Like if somebody that you really trust and is a really good friend comes and goes, hey, this guy's putting out quality work. That's when people start to want to. That's why we do so well here. Yeah. Honestly, like, because everybody, like with the different things they offer, everybody's like, hey, you want to go with me on? Good, we got this new Pilates class. You know, we get all this for that. Yeah. Like, just everybody's like bringing a friend, telling somebody mm-hmm. who tells somebody. It, it just is a chain reaction like that. But um, for sure, I mean, that's networking. Yeah, I guess. I had for the first time. It's happened twice this year. Once in Memphis and once in Northwest Arkansas in Springdale. But I went to a show. And the host didn't know me. Like, we hadn't met. But from the, he goes, oh, I know that guy. Like, I've heard of that guy. Like, like he's coming up next. I, I've never worked with him, but I've heard of this guy. And so, like, little things like that that I'm starting yeah. to hear, it just make it reaffirms, like, okay, hard work's paying off. Keep working. Don't stop. Like, you're doing the right things. It's all you can do. Like, what else are we going to do? I mean, I, I'm going to be here anyway. Might as well have fun. I, but, yeah. Time's going to pass regardless. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris Howder, the spike belt, he says this. Um, you could be doing anything in 10 years. Why not be a jiu-jitsu black belt? Or anything. Like, yeah. it's, you apply to anything, you know. So, well, dude, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up, man. I'm going to go let my dog out before I uh, teach Thai boxing here in a little bit. Sounds good. Thanks um, for having me again. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Anytime, dude. I'm, I'm telling glad, I'm everybody you're... about it. Like, Thanks, man. All the comics and stuff down there, I've been telling them about dude, it. Dude, shoot the... me. Uh, I would love to have some more people on, especially over the summer. Absolutely. Uh, like, I'll shoot you the names. Zane, yeah. uh, send me anybody's names. They can uh, come in digitally. They can come to the studio. We could do you and somebody else if you want to come together. Um, do, do you have anything uh, other than your Facebook page? I put that in the... Um, 
Yeah, so now I'm also um, running on so – same on every social media. It's called Scoundrels Live Stand-Up, and that is where we're putting – that's all the shows that Zane and I produce. So we're putting everything from Conway. Like we've got some stuff in northwest Arkansas that we're about to start doing, um, everything that we're doing in Little Rock. Um, eventually, we're going to be working um, – I've talked to Rufus a little bit. He's the guy that books here at Old Bank. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I saw did, you over there. Then, or, yeah, I saw you post over there. Yeah, um, I popped in and did a set with Dre one night there. But we're going to try to get shows producing all over Arkansas. Our goal right now is to get a chain of shows that we can have people come through, um, like L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, come through Arkansas and do a whole run through it. Dude, once we get more casinos. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be – because it's like the one over at Asylum Springs. I was thinking about this earlier. Theo Vaughn, Brian mm-hmm. Cowan, Brendan Schwab, all have been there. Yeah. And, and many others, too. Yeah. River Spirit. I remember last time I was there, Steve Martin and um, – Martin Short. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's in there. Uh, they were playing, uh, they're performing there together. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Follow me on Scoundrels Live Stand Up or at Bear the Comic. And I share all of my show stuff there. And I'm, if you're in Little Rock, I'm probably performing the night you're there. I promise. Yeah. Somewhere. Corey and I will come see you soon, dude. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Right on, bro. I will uh, send you the link for that show. Hell yeah. Signing off, guys. <laughs>